I really wish I could be one of those girls that loves doing cardio. That's like every morning I need to get up and I need to run 10 miles. But I genuinely prefer rotting in bed. Listening to audiobooks probably is the only way that I get any steps in. A story that just makes any type of repetitive activity better is my favorite kind of story. And my absolute favorite go-to platform to use is Audible. I love Audible because of their unparalleled selection. They've got thousands of titles to choose from. They have audiobooks across every genre from thrillers to romance novels to self-help books but they also have podcasts guided wellness programs theatrical performances comedy originals i'm a thriller girly so i'm currently listening to a flicker in the dark by stacy willingham and the story follows a psychologist named chloe she moved to baton rouge to get away from the family's dark history chloe's dad is in prison for the kidnapping and murder of six young girls who went missing when chloe was a kid so there's a lot to unpack already chloe is the reason her dad got arrested she found this charm belonging to one of the victims in her dad's closet. But there are some things that just don't add up about the investigation. And just when Chloe feels like she's finally moving on from the past, a series of copycat murders start happening in Baton Rouge, forcing Chloe to dig up the past. The story is so fast-paced. I love it. And there are so many red herrings. Anyone can be a suspect, including Chloe's own husband, her brother. I've been listening to portions of this audiobook for about 30 minutes every single morning while I go out for a little light, I want to say jog, but right now it's more of a walk. And listening to audiobooks always sets me up to be more productive and creative throughout the day. So if you're looking for a way to spice up your cardio sessions or just be more inspired, sometimes I just play it and I rot in bed anyway. I just lay there and I listen to it and it's so good. I highly recommend using Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible now for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash baking or text baking to 500-500. That's audible.com slash baking or text baking to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Bada bing, bada bam. Welcome to this week's Bacon a Mystery, Bacon a Murder episode. This has been highly requested by my husband, who has been asking me nonstop, when are you going to bring back the furries? I'm like, the fairies? You mean the fae? He's like, oh yeah, sorry, sorry. That's what I meant. They were really cool. It's my favorite episode. So here we go. It's October. Please welcome Akatar part two. This is book number two, A Court of Mist and Fury. And I know... I know it's been a minute since we did Akatar, the first one, okay? I get it, but I wanted to give you guys time to read because I feel like this is a book club. I saw so many comments that are like, wait, I want to read the book first. Can you tell us on Instagram which book you're doing next so that we can like watch it after we read the book? Maybe I'll start doing that. Maybe that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to link part one in the description. But if you've already seen it or you haven't seen it, don't worry. He's going to give you a recap. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) come on. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. So, okay. Basically. <laughs> yeah. So, basically. So, basically. Um, there's a girl. Mm. And um, she met a wolf. A wolf? <laughs> <laughs> and then they went to this world. Yeah. And then there's a bat. <laughs> it's a bat. Right? Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a raven. 
Okay, yes. Raven. So yes. Raven is the hot, mis- mysterious guy. Uh-huh. And then the wolf is like the golden retriever. She killed the wolf. She killed the wolf? Well, I guess he's a different type of wolf, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, there's like different worlds. Any, anyways, you 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 tell us. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, you get the story. Let's go into part two. <laughs> okay, welcome to the world of Printhia, where magical creatures dwell, and generally they hate humans. This is very important to this book. They think we are nasty, stinky scum. We're the scum of the earth. They think we are uncivilized, which. I mean, I guess it's kind of valid. So they keep to themselves in their own land that is called Printhia, and it's governed by the high courts. There's seven of them. So you've got the seven high courts. Three of them are solar courts. Dawn court, day court, the night court. And then four of them are the seasonal courts. Spring court, summer court, autumn court, winter court. So like envision, I'm envisioning states like Georgia, Georgia. Like Texas, <laughs> California. You so just, made just it like so uncool. <laughs> right? It's just like different and then they all have their own little like yes. charms and Yes, but instead of like Brian Kemp, you yeah. got like Chris Hemsworth as the governor. Mm. As the governor and he's got magical powers and they all come sit together at like a G2 summit mm. and they're all cool. We should start a petition for our world leaders to be hotter. Because I think we'll pay a lot more attention to politics if they are. <laughs> so some courts, they're more important than others. Some have more power than others. And it typically just depends on who is the high lord of that court at the time. Mm. So some people are just more powerful. And it's all in the family. It's like the royal family. So your son's going to be the next heir. And sometimes your son is an idiot. And he just does not have that much power. And then suddenly your court has no power. Now, most of the courts, the high lords, like the kings, they basically try to keep good relations amongst all the courts. But there have been some courts where there are generations of beef that just cannot be solved with a handshake. Most notable court beef is between the spring court and the night court. Now, spring court is ruled by Tam Lin. You remember our good boy, Tammy? Okay, he is the Chris Hemsworth of the story. Blonde, golden hair, ripped, sun-kissed skin. That's the vibe, okay? He's also part beast. I think of like Beauty and the Beast, but golden retriever vibes, you know? That, that kind of, like a surfer dude. He runs spring court with his best friend, right-hand man, Lucian. Oh, I remember Lucian. Oh, he's got iconic red hair and a mechanical eye. He was technically from the royal family of the Autumn Court, and his dad is still the High Lord of the Autumn Court, but he left after they killed the love of his life. Mm. They murdered his soulmate. The dad did? Yes. Okay. In front of his eyes, you know? Why? Why? Did we talk about that? It's. I think there was, he was trying to, he was the next heir. So his brothers like started some shit. Ah. The family is like succession. They're cutthroat. They don't care about each other. Everything in spring court is perpetually springtime. It's beautiful. So everything I imagine, and I'm going to put some pictures, think beautiful Parisian style chateaus with green vinery that runs up the sides of the building. Fresh flowers that are always in bloom. There's a fresh patch of grass where you can always nap near the silvery lakes. The lakes are silver. Imagine sil- metallic that's been melted and you lift it up and it's sparkling, but it's also kind of clear. It's, it's heaven on earth. And then you have the night court. Nobody knows what the f*** goes on in the night court. They are the biggest territory and they rule the northernmost part of Printhian. And the landscape is primarily mountains that look like they're going to eat you alive. The high lord of the night court is Rissand, but we call him Reese. 
Reese. Yeah, Reese's, Re- Reese's pieces. Okay, Reesand, and everyone in the realm is terrified of him. He's actually the most powerful of all the high lords. He can read minds, and he is the Raven, the perfect addition to our soon-to-be love triangle because he's tall, dark, and handsome. He's brooding. He's evil. This is literally the trope of Tamlin is the hero that will sacrifice you to save the world, and Reesand or Reese is the villain that will sacrifice the world to save you. like can you tell which one we all like (laughs) so anyway tamlin is part beast and reese he's got his own special powers they're really strong he can go into people's minds not only can he read minds he can control your mind once he's in there he can erase every single memory that you've ever had he can scramble your thoughts mess with he can gaslight the shit out of you imagine being in a relationship with him he can go into your brain and make you feel like wait a minute maybe it was my fault wait can can he read the main girl's mind mm-hmm. oh okay Oh yeah, yeah he can. He can make your mind into nothing but an empty shell so you live out the rest of eternity. Yeah, this is not um Edward Cullen, by the way. <laughs> You're getting it confused. Yeah. <laughs> he can also kill you with your mind. Yeah. Anyway, the guy is really powerful. He's always got some shady shit planned. Everybody is terrified of him. So that's how Printhian is set up. But the land borders another realm. The mortal realm. There is a wall set up with magic that has been there for centuries. The humans cannot cross over into the Fey lands, but the humans know Fey exist because centuries ago, there was a war between humans and Fey, and so many humans died. Human land was destroyed. I mean, technically, the land that Printhian is on used to be human land. Okay, Fey are these magical beings. Yeah. And what is it, Prithian? Printhian is their Printhian land. It's the magical land. Yes, but it's not the only land. It's basically a country for mm. some of these fae. And the seven high court, high lords, they rule that country. But there's other realms with fae in there. Like Highburn is a big one. Mm. So, I mean, honestly, on the map, Highburn looks like the UK. So just think of them like with a British accent, if that helps okay. you visualize it. You know what I mean? Okay. Anyway. Do they come to play too? Oh yeah, they're going to come into huge play right now. This uh. book is going to be all about Highburn. It gets really nuts okay anyway there had been a time where fey and humans were beefing so hard they were killing each other but a lot of fey fought against their own to save the humans and a treaty was made and that wall was built and now it's supposed to be this time of peace and calm and quiet you stay in your lane you sexy beast and we'll stay in our lands with our scrubby little human bodies but sometimes creatures so in the fey land you've got high fey and these are like the royalty these are the upper elites just think just think old money vibes but they a lot of them have powers they're bigger than humans more elegant they've never had a pimple in their life they're the perfect version of humans amplified to the 100th degree if they could smell stronger think faster move faster be more graceful those are fey most fey But they also have creatures. Like we have lions, we have giraffes. They also have creatures. And these creatures are violent. And they love to sneak through the wall because there's little holes that have been made. Sneak through the wall, the border, and feast on humans in the woods. So that's why no humans ever really go into the woods near the wall. And just so you know, Spring Court is the southernmost state, if you will. So Spring Court borders the human realm with the wall. Mm -hmm. And um, the Night Court is the very most northern. So they're on Mm -hmm. opposite sides. 
Anyway, no, no human goes to the woods near the wall except Feyre, our main character. And I have to give you this really in-depth recap because, I mean, this whole second book, you can't read it without reading the first one. So she's a skilled hunter at the ripe old age of 18. Brett, I had no skills when I was 18. Like one could argue, I still do not possess any skills, but she was the best hunter. She had a whole family to feed. Her dad, her two sisters, Elaine and Nesta. And the family used to be rich, but her dad lost it all. And now they barely have any food. They would have to feast on one squirrel for the rest of winter. Elaine and Nesta would never want to go hunting because they grew up as these rich, spoiled girls. And Elaine is kind of the nicer one. She was spoiled, but she's a softie. She cares so much. She's very empathetic. But Nesta, she's one of those people that's kind of on their high horse, but you almost don't hate her for some reason. She's got her own mental trauma. Like all they want to do is fix their hair in the mirror. If they were to get any money, instead of spending it on food, these two, Elena and Nesta, they would desperately spend it on a new pair of boots. While Feyre is like, can you guys snap out of it? We're about to starve to death. Anyway, one day in the woods, she sees what she thought was, I believe, a wolf. But she realized it was Faye and thought, if I don't kill this Faye, this Faye is going to kill me because she has lived 18 years indoctrinated by this propaganda that Faye are evil, right? And most of them are evil. And she's like, it's going to kill me. I have to kill it. And then she thinks about it and she's like, you know what? I hate Faye. I hate them for everything that they've done. And she kills the wolf, looks it in the eye and kills it. This ended up being Tamlin's general. Tamlin sweeps into town all pissy, like, who killed my general? He ends up stealing Feyre away, locking her up in his house as payment. And he said it was a life for a life, but I'm not going to kill you because I'm a good king. So you're just going to stay here for the rest of your simple, stupid human life. She thought that she was going to be enslaved and forced to do hard labor, but he kept her inside his massive plush Parisian style. I mean, massive garden that you can get lost in, in every, greenery in every corner type of palace. She had her own room. She had her own servants to brush her hair and wash her butt crack. And every day she keeps trying to escape. She's like, my family is starving. But slowly... And surely she falls in love with Tamlin and she's eavesdropping every day. And she finds out that there's something called the blight. It's a disease and it's wiping out a bunch of villagers in the spring court sent from someone very powerful. So sent from someone very evil. It's killing the spring court, the fate, the creatures. It's bad. Feyre wants to help because first of all, she's a good person, but also she's falling in love with Tamlin. And um, there's some really good smut in there if you're interested. Anyway, Right as she falls in love with Tamlin, he's like, no, you got to go back home to your mortal lands because it's too dangerous here. The blight is coming. The blight is coming. I got you a carriage. He puts her in the carriage and she's like, no. And he's like, no, I'm going to come back for you after I fight this one last thing out. And before she leaves, he tells her, I love you. And she wants to say it back. And it's at the tip of her tongue, but she's thinking, no, if I say it, that means we might never see each other again. And that pains me. I need to say it when I come back and I see this man alive. So she doesn't say it. She goes home, but the home is no longer a home. She realizes Tamlin has given her family so much money. Her sisters have been well taken care of living in this massive mansion now. Her dad is a merchant again. Everything is great, but she's moping around. You know what? I say moping, but I genuinely, she's one of the most likable main characters, okay? She's not like this weak little 
overly moral person. She's not annoying. Now, everything is great, but she's like, my Tamlin, my Tammy baby. And she tells her sisters, I gotta go back. I gotta go back for him. I'm gonna walk through the border. And they're like, you're nuts. That's crazy. She runs all the way to spring court, just like a cute little marathon. And the whole place has been gutted, destroyed. Not just Tamlin's court, not just his palace, but everything seems dead and wrecked. Like someone came in and invaded. She has no idea what to do, where to even find Tamlin. And she runs into Alice, one of the servants who tells her there was a curse, you stupid girl. Okay by the newest queen of all of Printhian. So Printhian prided itself on not having a, one singular king or queen. Mm-hmm. You've got like seven governors, essentially, seven high lords. Yeah. Evil queen, Amarantha. She's the evil witch that has slowly taken over Printhian one high lord at a time. She's got all the high lords locked up under the sacred mountain in the middle of Printhian in her new court where she controls everything and everyone. She's stolen all the high lord's powers and she channels it all. She is the most powerful being in all of Printhian and you could have broken the curse. The reason that Spring Court was the last one to be invaded by Amarantha was ever since they were young, Amarantha had a big fat crush on Tamlin. But Tamlin was like, you're an evil person and you hate humans. This was like back during the war when Faye were killing humans. How did she get so much power? Oh, she seduced them one by one and she would steal their power slowly. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then once she had two High Lords power, she's more powerful than most of the High Lords. You can steal powers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she gets all the high lords in her pocket. And uh, Tamlin, she was like, ooh, I love you. You're going to love me back one day. And he was like, no, I'm not because you're an evil person and you don't even like humans. And humans are just tiny little dogs that we got to save. And she was like, you know what? Now that you say that, one day I'm going to be queen. And the only way that you can break the curse that I'm going to bring down on the Fae and everybody else is if a human who despises Fae, who truly deep in our heart hates our kind, falls in love with you and says the magic words, I love you. <laughs> and Alice is like, you stupid, you could have said that in the carriage. What's wrong with you? And then Feyre is like, well, I didn't say it in the carriage. So I guess my human little bones have to go under the mountain to find Tamlin. She goes under the sacred mountain. And what do you know? She gets immediately caught. Now, at all all the High Lords are trapped under there, as well as like the high up Fae with all the powers. And High Lord of Night, Reese, seems to be the only one with some power left remaining because he's Amarantha's whore. That's what everyone calls him. He does all of her dirty work, including forking her, porking her, and uh, plus he's super powerful. So she didn't take away all of his power so that he could mess around and do things for her. Anyway, Feyre is like, yeah. I'm going to take her on. I'm going to kill her. She gets thrown in front of the throne where Amarantha is sitting and Tamlin is sitting right next to her like a like a queen. Yeah. And he won't even look at her. Tamlin is so in love with her, but he's so scared. He doesn't even know what to do. Also, Amarantha hates humans. Her sister was killed by a mortal commander, a general, when he discovered that she was fae. They fell in love. He pretended to seduce her to get all the Fae secrets and then killed her in cold blood. But she genuinely loved him. So he used her. Amarantha killed him, put his eyeball into a ring that she wears every single day. Keep this in mind because it's all going to come back, this book. Jurian was the guy's name. So Feyre shows up and Amarantha is like, you know what? 
I'm so bored. I'm so bored of having all this power and all these guys who just want to pork me. I'm going to have so much fun with this. Let's do this Hunger Games style. I will let you live and every and I'll let everyone go if you can beat my game. It's going to be three challenges. You're going to have to stay here for like six months in my underground cell dungeon. Yeah, Feyre was thrown into this cell in the basement between her challenges. And Tamlin is always sitting right next to the queen, Amarantha, and he can do nothing to save Feyre. The only person that really tries to come and see her in her cell is the High Lord of Night. Now, whether it's because he has more powers than the other High Lords, or for whatever reason, he keeps showing up, and Feyre hates this guy, hates his guts. Apparently, the Night Court's former ruling family, so Reese's parents killed Tamlin's parents, and they've had beef for a really long time. And generally, Reese is recognized as a pretty evil dude in all of Printhian. And she hates him. He's trying to get in her head. He's always cocky. There's always this tension he carries around with him. Anyway, he gets off on torturing Tamlin. So he forces her to come to these parties at night that the court has. Amarantha loves these parties. Everybody else hates it because they're basically held at gunpoint to be there. And his guest is always Feyre. And he prances her around, humiliating her, dressing her up in these super scandalous clothes to infuriate Tamlin, who can do nothing. But he also goes into Feyre's mind to make her give him lap dances in front of everyone. Yeah, but we discovered that he only did that because Pharaoh was going to break down. So this is like his way. He had his own games he's playing. Anyway, when Pharaoh is almost dying after a few challenges, he makes a few bargains with her to heal her, to save her life. So the first thing that he did was brand her almost. A tattoo showed up on her left arm. Intricate, it's beautiful, but it's terrifying. And on the palm of her left hand was a cat's eye tattooed. And it just seemed like Reese could see through this eye. He always saw what was going on. It was interesting. And then the second deal that they made was worse. He saved her life in exchange for one week a month. If she ever got out of here alive, she would have to spend one week a month with him. And this is no human promise. Like the Fae, it's in blood. You Mm -hmm. cannot not do it. She took the deal because she had no choice. And you know, all of this kind of makes you hate the guy, right? But first of all, he's hot. He banters really well. And second of all, there's so many things that indicate that he's not a bad person. So when Feyre is in the cell about to lose her mind, she's losing herself, becoming a shell of a person. He starts playing music through the vents that only she can hear. Mm -hmm. So there's so many moments where she's about to break down, but there's this one small thing that she holds on to, and it's almost always given to her by Rissand. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a bad guy that just... But like, is he bad? <laughs> oh, he's bad, you know, but is he bad? He also whispers answers to her during the challenges if he can. And he is the only one that bet on her to win. And for some reason, when she's at the brink of losing it all, she can hear his voice in her head telling her what to do. They seem to have some sort of weird bond. I don't know. It's strange. She can't get him out of her head. He basically is the only reason that she ever survived in the cell. Tamlin was never allowed out of Amarantha's watch, but the one time that he was able to sneak away, right before Feyre's final trial, this could be the last time they see each other, she could die. Instead of helping her or worrying about her mental state, he tries to f*** her. <laughs> oh my God. Which is so wild, okay? Anyway. Was it like romantic in the book or no? I think they're both trying to use it as an escape almost, mm. but it's just... But as a reader, you're like, what the f***? 
is th- this. Yeah, as a reader, this is the moment I felt very pulled toward Rissand. Yeah, because Rissand's helping her yes. versus Tamlin is like... Tamlin's yeah. behaving like a Chad right now. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. if she's like, this is what I need, it's he should assess the situation and be like, okay, I think this is... She's telling me she needs this mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it was just bad. Anyway, the last challenge was Feyre had to kill a bunch of Fey one by one by stabbing them in the heart with a dagger. That's like the only way. I think the dagger was made out of something that can kill immortals. Most of the Fey gave her the look, begging her to do it because they're willing to be sacrificed for this, for all their family members, their loved ones, their lives to go back to normal. And it completely wrecked Feyre. She was a mess. In the end, she won. She was able to free Tamlin, and in that moment, his powers were zizzing back to him, and Tamlin attacked Amarantha, killing her, but not before Amarantha snapped Feyre's neck, and she was dead on the ground. But this is what was weird. She could actually see that she was dead, not through her own eyes. She was staring at her body that was laying there, through Rissan's eyes, through oh. Reese's eyes. Oh, okay, what, what happened again? It's almost like she, her soul was in his body. Okay. Briefly. Uh-huh. And she sees everyone, all the High Lords get up and their powers are given back to them after Amarantha dies. And they walk up to Feyre and say, for what she gave. And they all give her these glowing lights and it goes into her body. And then finally, she sees Rissan's body moving forward and gives a little glowing light. And she was made immortal by the powers of all seven High Lords. For freeing them from Amarantha's reign. So now she's a high lord. No. Oh, she's a fae. Just a fae. Oh, okay. And then that... So she came back alive? She's immortal? Does she have power? We're about to find out, aren't we? We're about to find out. So the last scene of book one ends with Reese and Feyre having a final nice moment where she kind of thanks him for saving her life. But she's also like, you know, I would call it like pretty even. Do I really have to still go one week a month? That's crazy. That's a lot. That's a lot of weeks. But he's like, yeah, no, a deal is a deal. But the weird part is Reese looks at her and it's like he sees something. For a moment, he seems genuinely shocked because this is not a guy that gets shocked before he flies off with his raven wings. Hmm. And she's like, what was that look? That was so weird. What is he thinking? What just happened? Now... We can get into the court of mist and fury. All right. <laughs> so this is now three months after everyone in Printhian has been freed. Amarantha is dead. Feyre is a fae, immortal, but she's got PTSD. You thought mental health disappeared when you're a fae? Absolutely not. It's amplified. She's able to come back alive, but the fae that she killed with that special dagger, nobody helped them come back alive. Mm-hmm. because the seven high lords they all have to be involved to make someone immortal and it's just not something that they do frequently because it could it's an abuse of power yeah it just goes against nature right she killed these people they would never come back alive their family members were in the crowd watching watching their loved ones make this sacrifice and she had to look them in the eye while she did it so she was having another sleepless night where she woke up and ran to the bathroom This is how it's been almost every single night for the past three months. Drenched in sweat, hunched over the toilet, emptying her stomach in the moonlight. When she had nothing else to throw up, she would lean back against the marble wall. And it's so cold. Her hair is sweaty and sticking to her face. And she would stare out the window at the moon. So 
is she living with uh, Wolf Boy? No, Wolf. Tamlin. Tamlin. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. together. They're, They're still together. dating. Oh, yeah. Happily oh, yeah. having fun. Um, I don't know about that. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the window is the only thing that brings her back to reality because Feyre would constantly have these nightmares where she was trapped back in the cell with nowhere else to go. So she has claustrophobia. She's got a fear of being trapped. She'd constantly wake up disoriented, feeling like, oh my God, am I back in the basement? Am I under the mountain? She would instantly look for ways to escape only to remember, wait, Amarantha is dead. I'm fine. We're all safe. And that's just at night. During the day, Pharaoh was still getting used to her body. She still had the same general appearance, but she was a little prettier. Her legs were longer, faster. She was stronger. So far, she shattered five glass doors by accidentally closing them too hard. And she wasn't even trying. It's not like she was angry and slamming the door shut. She would trip over her long, beautiful legs, Victoria's Secret model legs, and knock over beautiful ancient sculptures in Tamlin's house. Feyre put her hands flat on the marble floor, remembering the eye tattoo, you know, brought it to her face, and the eye would change. Again, indicating it's not just a tattoo, someone's watching. So tonight, the eye tattoo, the pupils were wider. It's almost as if, like any regular eye, it was adjusting to the darkness. (sighs) That's creepy. Yeah. Just another reminder of what she gave up down there when she was Amarantha's prisoner. One week a month. Rysand hadn't come to get his side of the offer in the past three months. Thank mm. the cauldrons. She had no idea why. Everyone didn't know why, but they were too scared to say it out loud because they thought even a mention of his name, he's like Voldemort. He'll just poof, appear. And be like, so people are still af- afraid of him? Yes. Even though he kind of helps saving everyone Yeah. in the process, they still think he's like an evil dude. I think less evil, but more p- not diplomatic. He doesn't care for politics mm-hmm. and he's unpredictable mm, compared okay. to the other high lords who feel like politicians. Mm, okay. So they're definitely, you're, they're predictable. You're like, okay, as long as I know what's in their best interest, they're going to do it mm-hmm. because they're politicians, right? But with him, it's unpredictable. I see. Very unpredictable. And he's just too powerful. Technically, he could probably invade another court mm-hmm. or two if he really wanted yeah, okay. easily. Now- It was just putting people on edge. Like, why didn't he come? He was not the type of person or not the type of fae to spare a deal if they've made with him, especially not with Feyre. Reese and Tamlin are basically rivals even before Feyre. Reese would come to take Feyre if only to get back at Tamlin, just to piss him off. So what is it? Is it just a matter of time before he comes? Feyre leans against the wall and she thought of the night court. Very few people were invited there. You know how in this world, we've got a lot of diplomats that go to other countries. Mm -hmm. Almost nobody gets invited to the night court. Even high lords who request to visit the night court, most of them is request denied. No one really knew what existed up there. And when they did come out, their memories were scrambled. They don't remember the layout. They don't remember what the court looked like. They don't remember anything. Hmm. But it was run by what they call the court of nightmares. So you can imagine, right? Feyre gets up. She sneaks back into the bedroom where Tamlin is naked, sprawled out across the mattress. And only when Feyre saw Tamlin, she would remember, this is who I did it for. This is why I did all of this. And she would do it again. She tries to slip into bed quietly. And here's what's interesting. Tamlin, like most Fey, probably stronger than most Fey, he's got super hearing. He's a shapeshifter. Never once woke up to hear Feyre yakking into the toilet. So you think he's just pretending to sleep? Yes. 
What? Because he himself is so broken, he doesn't know how to help her. Really? Yeah. Feyre would wake up multiple times when he would thrash around in bed from a nightmare. And the rest of the night, he would sit at the foot of the bed, claws out, on guard, monitoring the door, monitoring the windows. Oh, so he has PTSD as well. Yeah. So neither of them want to talk to each other about the PTSD. They're just ignoring it by porking each other. That's it. It's like they're two shells of human beings. Not even humans, I guess. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So the next morning, Feyre is standing with her arms crossed in front of Tamlin and Lucian. And she's saying, I demand to go with you. It's been three months. The village you're going to is three miles away from the palace. Absolutely not. You're not coming with us. Lucian, with his glorious red hair, He's sitting on his horse and he's giving Feyre this look of like, please just don't push him like we've been through enough. Feyre looks at him, ignores him. The village needs help and I can help. (sighs) We're still not done, Feyre, hunting down the rest of Amarantha's beasts. But you're not doing that today. You're going to go help the villagers today and I can help bring them food. They're rebuilding. I can help rebuild. I said no, Feyre. It's not safe, especially not for you. You're not just another high fate of them. You're a symbol, a symbol of hope and stability. If something were to ever happen to you. Besides, Lucian hunted down five Naga yesterday. So these are beasts that we met in the first book. They give me horror movie, taller than trees, black shadowy creatures with razor sharp teeth and claws with high pitched screeches as they move like really weirdly through the woods. They roam in packs and they're very dangerous. And Feyre's eyes, they scan her friend Lucian looking for any injuries. That's how dangerous they are because Lucian's a great fighter, which also means he lied. Yesterday, he said that he was just tired during dinner, but she didn't know. He was fighting for his life out there. And as for the symbol of hope thing, Feyre kind of understood the politics behind it, but it was just frustrating. Her favorite attire prior to all of this were a smart pair of pants that she could easily run, walk, and move in, and a comfortable top, and of course, a bunch of knives on her, or at least a bow and arrow because she was a huntress. But now, now all of her outfits are these flowy, Zimmerman-esque, spring-colored gowns. Even though she never left the house... She was dripping in jewels, and whenever she tried to wear pants or carry more weapons or wanted to do these things, Alice, her servant, would warn her, you would be sending a message to everyone. As the bride, the soon-to-be bride of Tamlin, your attire is a message. As the first lady, what you wear is a message. And right now, the people need peace and comfort to know that there's no danger in the horizon so we can focus on rebuilding everything that has been destroyed. And then Feyre would feel guilty because she's like, yeah, well, if I can give people a little bit of comfort by wearing a stupid-ass dress, who am I to not wear the dress? So she'd wear the dress. And now Tamlin is saying, please, Feyre, just do this for me. There's so much that needs to be done at home. You could paint. (laughs) You could do some wedding planning. 
Feyre did not have any energy in her to keep fighting. Three months had gone by. Tamlin barely ever let Feyre leave the house. And when she was even out in the woods, just right the, the backyard of the house, basically, she would have four sentries escorting her, four guards, breathing down her neck, watching every single move, checking every room before she entered it. She's losing her mind in here. To make matters worse, everyone in the house treated her like some sort of saint. Servants still bursted into tears in front of her, thanking her for her, her service and saving them. And she's like, I just want to feel normal. I just want to do something other than think about what happened under that mountain. And she thought it would get better once Tamlin proposed. Because as the bride of one of the high lords, the other high lords would have incentive to punish anyone that hurt them because it's, hey, you hurt that person's family. Mm -hmm. We're going to punish them to send a signal. Don't mess with any of our family. Mm -hmm. Right. She thought it'd get better, which was, you know, a month in he proposed. So they'd been engaged for two months now. But all she did was sit in her room while Tamlin brought her flowers, gifts, jewels, presents. And eventually he brought her a person, not a person, but a fae, Ianthe was brought in and Ianthe was one of the 12 high priestesses. You're like the what? Okay, so let me break it down. The high lords, they rule over the courts and there's seven of them. Mm -hmm. The priestesses are not kings. I guess the real world equivalent would be they're like the popes. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of influence because they have a lot of control over the people through religion or whatever it may be but they're not kings. They're not part of the royal family, but a lot of the royal family would want to be close to them. Mm -hmm. So there's 12 high priestesses and they rule over all the other priestesses, you know, kind of again, like the Pope, right? And um, they are the link between the high lords and the deities. So any ceremony like weddings or rituals, they would have to be done by a priestess. But if you're at the top of the food chain, like if you're one of the high lords, you're going to get one of the 12 high priestesses to do it. Because they're at the top of the top. Now, the priestesses, they're also in charge of record keeping, granting special laws. So let's say I am the high lady of the spring court and mm -hmm. I need to kill someone, right? I can ask a high priestess to grant me that. And she has to kind of have a good reasoning, like a good ethical, moral reasoning behind it. Otherwise, if it's something that could start a war, as long as I get sanctioned by a high priestess, it's better. It's more diplomatic, but they don't necessarily rule anything. They still get their powers from ceremonies. They can definitely kill people. They can kill Faye, but they still, um, they're more of, they're more of the power minglers. High priestesses are known to sneak into courts, not sneak in, but kind of slither their way in and whisper sweet nothings into the high Lord's ear and become their right hand woman. Yeah. Okay. They crave influence. They crave power. They've got spies everywhere. They always wear these silvery robes with the hoods on, but they exude tension. Even the robes are snatcherooned at their waist. So there are 12 of them. Yeah. And they, they're all sisters and a mom. A mom and 11 sisters. Yeah. And they just live throughout seven different. Mm hmm. Place. They move about and the sisters all hate each other. Most of them hate each other. And most of them, because there's 12 of them and only seven courts, they're trying to be the most powerful priestess. And to be the most powerful, you need to be able to have influence over at least a court, mm -hmm. you know? Or the highest power court. Yeah. Okay. But uh, Rusand hates high priestesses. He's, he doesn't really f*** with that. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So obviously each priestess looks different, but 
Ianthi was stunning. Golden locks. I mean, perfect for spring court. Everyone's like gold hair in spring court, elegant, soft features, soft girl vibes. She carried herself with so much confidence. It was intimidating. She was brought into spring court to help Tamlin and Feyre plan their wedding. And honestly, Feyre was so grateful. The last thing she wants to do is seating charts for fairies. I don't know. Just float around. Is it that big of a deal? But here she was, while Tamlin and Lucian are out doing the real important things that Pharaoh wants to do, she's sitting listening to Ianthe about all of these seating charts. It's all a game, you know, Pharaoh. Chess pieces to move around. They all want something, these people. Power, dominance, aggression. They will kill to get it. So we have to make sure that no blood is shed during your wedding. Feyre checked out of the conversation and she starts thinking about how there had been no mating bond between her and Tamlin yet. So mating bonds in the Fey world, they're kind of like soulmates. Either there's a mating ceremony where you become bonded to each other or there's a moment where both of you get this vision of this is your mate and everything you try to fight, you're just drawn to this person. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do. And she's like, okay, maybe it just hasn't hit yet. Would I even know when it hits? Like, I don't know what it feels like. Either way, Feyre felt really inadequate. I mean, she's looking at Ianthe right now and she's thinking Ianthe was born in this high status life instead of being made a Fey. And look at her elegant features. I mean, she looked more like Tamlin's bride. A union between a high lord and a high priestess, that would send a clear message of strength. Tamlin would be better off, politically, probably, marrying a high priestess. They'd be a power couple. What a weird thought process. Yeah, side note, in this world, priestesses, um, they can be as wild as they want. So Ianthe be out here sleeping with everyone in the spring court. Yeah, she's having fun. She's having a great time. But Feyre has catched on. High priestesses want power more than anything. Ianthe, while sweet and technically the only girlfriend that Feyre had, she's no different. She always talked about how the four of them would make a formidable unit in Printhian. Four of them? Yeah. So Tamlin, Feyre, Lucian, and her. Uh huh. She just always, she's desperate to be in this spring court inner circle. Mm. It even seemed like she was trying to hit on Lucian to solidify her keep in this court after the wedding. But Lucian was not interested in any woman since the death of his lover, okay? The murder of his lover, Shaddai. Now, that night, Tamlin returns from the village to meet Feyre in bed, and they do it. But, like, you know what? I couldn't get into it. Like, the first book, I could get into them doing it, Mm -hmm. these two specifically. But now it's just a mixture of PTSD and doing it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they need to go to, like, couples counseling first. Like, I'm not into this part. Mm -hmm. And it's clear that these two are doing it all the time to forget the real problems that they have. So they're laying in bed, staring at this, like, ornate, detailed ceiling, crown molding, feeling the moist sheets beneath them. And Tamlin's like, I'm really sorry about today. I just need to keep you safe. But once you're my wife, everything will get better. Yeah. Feyre's not trying to argue. So she just asked, what is everyone going to call me? Am I just Tamlin's wife or do I get a title? Like I'm saying, the reason I ask is I don't think I can handle anyone calling me the high lady. Tamlin sits up. There are no such things as high ladies. What do you mean? High lords rule and they take wives. There are no such thing as high ladies. You will be lady of the spring court, but never high lady of the spring court. 
feels a little, I don't know, buddy, rubbing me the wrong way. She just saved all of you guys. Technically, there would be no high lords of any courts anymore had it not been for Feyre. And if she wants to put high lady of spring court on her Instagram bio, I would just let her have it. I'll just be like, you know what? Put it on a business card while you're at it. Do whatever you want. But he won't let her have anything. She can't even leave the house. She can't even have a fancier title. Damn. Feyre, yes. We're all fighting the same demon here, huh? Yeah, same demons, <laughs> same demons, okay? <laughs> Feyre had asked at dinner, right, one time, can I start training? Because, you know, most Fey they have some powers or they have combat skills because they're super strong. And obviously, I'm super strong. Not saying I have powers. I'm just saying I'm physically strong because I've broken so many doors, right? And maybe it could be of some use if I fought and, you know, just... She remembers Lucian would look at Tamlin and Lucian's looking at him like, I agree with Farah, like she needs to learn. But Tamlin would put his fork down. Why would the bride of the High Lord learn to fight if peace Ah. has been restored? Don't you think that would send a wrong message to our people? And you are being watched, Farah. You're always being watched. Ah. Farah would continue to pester Tamlin about it, but the answer that she always got was always the same. Sometimes Feyre would try and ask Lucian behind his back to try and convince Tamlin. So this is turning into one of those annoying relationships. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Lucian is saying, to be fair, Tamlin's not being outright unreasonable. He's still trying his best in his own way with his own PTSD. And so one day, Tamlin feels bad and lets her go to the village with Lucian. He's letting her help for the day. But while they're on their horses going at a leisurely pace, and it's always springtime, so flowers are in full bloom, it smells like dew, Lucian looks over at Feyre. Look, just, we need order right now. That's just how we rebuild everything we lost. So please, we have the rest of eternity for you to learn to hunt, fight, do whatever your heart desires. This is such a crucial point. Besides, Amarantha might be gone, but that doesn't mean all the High Lords are buddy-buddy now. Anyone who wants to hurt or even just control Tamlin, it is known in all of Printhian, the easiest way to get to him is to get to you. I know, but I just can't live like this forever. Let's just get through the rebuilding phase. And then the tith is happening and Tamlin is under a lot of pressure. The, the tith? The what? The tith. Everyone in the spring court that we rule over has to come in twice a year. High fae, lesser fae, doesn't matter. Every single fae will come in and based on their income and status, they will pay the estate. So basically taxes. <laughs> it's, also, it's also another reason that Ianthe is here. You know, spring court takes the tith very seriously. It's been in the traditions and if someone cannot pay the tith, they have three days to pay it or else Ianthe grants special hunting rights to Tamlin to hunt them, literally hunt and kill his own subjects. Jeez. Tamlin doesn't like to do it, but it's the only way we have law and order. It's the only way everyone pays their share. So pay tax or die. Yeah. Wow, dang. This is some cutthroat yeah environment feels just like here though i'm just kidding i'm just kidding okay anyway you'll be expected to be at his side while he does the tith i'll be keeping track of who does and doesn't pay ianthe will be there to grant the hunting rights let's just get through the rebuilding get through the tith and then i can try and talk to tamlin about how you're feeling just just give him a second you know he's lost almost everyone that he loves he lost his whole family he lost you for a while there And he doesn't want to go through that again. 
But once they get to the village, Feyre's hopes and dreams of helping squashed. All the villagers just bow knee deep to her and say, the debt is paid. We do not need your help. The debt is paid. They're like, you are our savior. Go rest. <sighs> and Lucian just says, Feyre, I wanted to show you. Right now, the villagers don't need a reminder of what happened under the mountain. And you are the reminder of that. They just want to rebuild and feel normal. It's not like Feyre would have time anyway. The minute she gets back onto the estate, Ianthe is pulling her away, upping their schedule now that there only has like, I don't know, a few days away from the wedding. All the high fey of the spring quarter arriving to the estate. They're going to be guests for a few nights. And Feyre is over it. She had been losing so much weight from not even being able to keep food down at night or ever. And mingling with all these high fey was a headache. They talked to her about the games under the mountain, the things that she had to go through, the things that she sacrificed. They talked to her about it as if she had won the NFL. As if she, the Super Bowl, she had won the NFL, she said, okay? As if she had won this crazy game, like, oh, when you did that three-pointer, like, cross the court. I literally killed people i killed myself for that another one asked have you heard from the high lord of night yet he glanced at her tattoos no he's probably tucked his tail now that tamlin's got his powers back wow. clearly you don't know rasan very well and the group went quiet and this random ass high fey who gives me fraternity vibes has no idea what Rissand is even capable of goes, well, we'll take care of him if, if need be. <laughs> Feyre excuses herself, gets ready for bed and she used the excuse of wanting to be fresh for the wedding, but she just wanted to throw up in the toilet. And she remembered seeing Tamlin down there. And of course, he's trained to be good at socializing. He's probably been doing it for thousands of years because, you know, he's an old fart. But he looks 23. But he's with his friends that he grew up with, these high fey. And she could hear his laugh just vibrating through the walls. And she's laying there awake thinking, I don't remember the last time I truly ever laughed. The wedding gown was disgusting, by the way, to say the least. Ianthe convinced Feyre that this is what was needed to show all of Printhian that things were back to normal. But Feyre looked like a cupcake. There was no nicer way to put it. Even Alice, her servant, was making zero comments about her wedding dress. And of course, long silk gloves to hide the tattoos. You know, how odd would it be to walk down the aisle to marry the high lord of the spring court when you have the high lord of the night court's markings all over your arm? Damn, she has no freedom, huh? None. None at all. Alice gets her, she doesn't even get herself ready. She gets up out of bed, sits on a chair. 25 servants bathe her, do her hair, put her in new jewels and a make, like a new gown. She takes a walk around the garden with four guards watching her. She sits down for a meal. No one's there. Tamlin's out fighting, hunting, doing whatever he wants to do, golfing. And she's just sitting there. She can't even paint anymore. She used to love painting, but. Why? Certain colors trigger her PTSD. So when the Fae had these deep navy eyes, and anytime she sees any shade of deep blue, which most of the paints are like that primal blue, or red, it just reminds her of blood. And just like, she feels like, what is the point? What am I painting? The, the only image she has in her head is just bloodbaths. So is she going to paint that? Like, she can't sit there and paint a tree anymore. It's just not hitting, you know? Imagine going to war and then coming back and be like, you know what? I had been thinking of crocheting. It's just not working. 
So Alice gets her ready for the big day, takes one look at her, and the two share a deep bond. And she says, minus the dress, you look beautiful, Feyre. And she means it, like her face, everything. She looks beautiful. Thank you, Alice. But you also look like you're going to a funeral and not your wedding. Just nerves. Well, our ceremonies are quick, done before you know it. Feyre half-smiled and walked down to the back of the estate, which had been turned into a wedding paradise. Don't think backyard wedding. Think Sophia Richie level wedding, okay? Just insane. The whole place covered in flowers. Pharaoh was going to walk down the grand steps of this palace to the back, and then there's going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of Haifei watching her. And she starts her walk slowly. She makes it almost three-fourths down the aisle when suddenly someone throws rose petals at her, like, you know, up in the air. Mm-hmm. And all the rose petals so far had been white because she told Ianthe over and over again, no red rose petals. Suddenly, red rose petals. And she stopped dead in her tracks. All of it or just some? Some. Mm. It looked like specks of blood on the stark white runway. All she could think was blood. She stopped for so long. Tamlin goes, Feyre. He reaches out a hand to her. She could see his hand. She could see everyone staring at her. She was hesitating. She refused to take his hand. She couldn't move. She was screaming on the inside in her head. Someone help me. She's looking at Lucian with her eyes like, help me, please. You have to help me. Someone save me. Get me out of this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Tamlin steps closer to her. She takes a reflexive step back and the crowd gasps. (gasps) Feyre needs to say it and she's thinking it. Just say it. Push it out. Say no. Say no, say no, just save me. And right at that moment, a cloud of darkness comes over. Spring turns to night. People are screaming. Some are falling over on their chairs. Others start making a run for it. Feyre turns around and there is Rissand straightening out his suit jacket. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Hello, darling. (laughs) Okay, so. Yes. He saw or felt what's going on. And he's like, I'm going to rescue you. Yes. And Pharaoh was pissed, though, because she doesn't remember that there's this bond. And she's like, what are you doing here? She just hates this guy. And even if she was going to say no at her wedding, it doesn't matter. What the hell are you doing here? Yeah. She's annoyed. He probably planned this. Laid low for the last three months to ruin her wedding and make us skeptical and ruin everything good in her life. And she stared at him. There is darkness leaking out of him like ink and water. He's got blue black hair. Think Ian Somerhalder, but ripped, jacked, like Raven, classy, hot. I don't know. Rissand is literally one of the top villains in trope history. Like if you go and like Google Goodreads or top villains in fantasy books, he's always one of them. Okay. All of Tamlin's guards held up their swords, but Rissand held up his hand and entered every single one of their minds and all of them froze. They were all under his control. Tamlin stepped forward to shield Feyre. You know, Rissand can actually go into Tamlin's mind as well if he wants. Mm -hmm. Yes. Get the hell out now. I don't think so. We had a deal, Feyre. I gave you three months to enjoy yourself. You could at least show a little bit of gratitude. Feyre is shaking, and Rissand is looking her dress up and down and just disgusted at her poofy cupcake dress. (laughs) Turns to Tamlin. I'll have her back in a week. Like hell you'll have her back in a week. You're not taking her. Oh, 
Was I interrupting something? I was under the impression that it was over. Or at least Feyre thought so. Feyre stares at Rizand. And Tamlin says, at least let us finish the ceremony. But Rizand looked behind them. Tamlin turns around. Even Ianthe had made a run for it. What do you mean made a run for it? She's the officiant. She ran away? Yeah, she's gone. Because she's scared? Of, of the High Lord of Night. <laughs> what do you want? Break the bargain, Rizand. I'll give you whatever you want. And Farah saying, Tamlin, please help. So dramatic, the spring court. And he grabs Farah closer. She'll be back in a week. And he puts her his arm around her waist and whispers in her ear, hold on. <laughs> and she felt darkness enveloping her not like a blanket okay but like a mist of darkness she held onto his hand even though she despised him with her whole entire heart because the darkness was closing in on her and then it was gone wait why does she hate him so much what did he do he um he kind of like humiliated her a little bit humiliated her humiliated tamlin humiliated lucian and then just also, everyone knows him to be this evil person. Okay. And he would do things that make him the evil person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That are actually the good things, yeah. but no one knows. She, she doesn't see even know. It. Oh. Yeah. Wow. She thinks he's genuinely just unhinged. Okay. Like psychopath. Okay. Yeah. So she opens her eyes. There's amber, the smell of jasmine, something soft like fresh tea. She was in the night court. It was the most beautiful place she had ever seen. <laughs> Imagine a palace on top of a mountain, okay? Made of stone and there's plush rugs all over the floors. All these like soft couches. It looks so homey. Imagine a ski resort, but on top of a mountain, but more grand, more luxurious, but it doesn't feel stuffy it doesn't feel like unlived in so it's not this like crazy scary place no. like everyone thinks there's giant windows that look out into the night sky that's always filled with stars you see the snow-capped mountains but all the windows they don't have glass there's a soft breeze constantly flowing through and even though it's winter the breeze has somehow been magicked into being warm Bro. In certain rooms, there's these light amethyst, sheer lavender colored curtains that are swaying in the breeze. I mean... Is it always nighttime there? No. Oh, what? Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. There's the lamps or all these orbs of light that are bobbing around, floating in the air. And then there are, there are chandeliers and they're all kind of like the stained colored glass lanterns. It's beautiful. Not a single sound of a prisoner being tortured, which was unexpected to say the least. <laughs> Welcome to my private residence. Feyre looked before her eyes fell on Rasand, and she felt pure anger. Hey, who the hell do you think you are? I certainly miss your angry attitude. You're welcome, by the way. Excuse me for doing what you asked, for saving you. I never asked you to save me. I heard you begging for someone to save you. You said no. You were going to say no to Tamlin. <laughs> I never said that. Rasan reached out, held her hand, showed her the tattoo. Tapped it once, twice. I heard it all. Well, I want to go home. You can't just do this. You can't just do whatever you want. 
I thought you'd be at least be a little thankful. At least this way, you have an excuse when you go back. Maybe you can pretend like I was the evil one. Like I whisked you away instead of telling them, all of them, that you were going to say no to your beloved. I think you made it very clear that I was having second thoughts in front of Tamlin. What the hell do you want anyway? I want you to be a gracious guest. Say thank you to your wonderful host, me, and take off that disgusting dress. You look like a doe-eyed damsel in distress, probably exactly what the priestess wants you to be. You don't know the first thing about me. And does your husband know the first thing about you? Does he know that you wake up every night to hack up your dinner or that you can't stand the color red or you can't go into rooms that feel too closed off? Does he know that now? Get the hell out of my head. Now that you mention it, I would very much enjoy that you stop sending me every little thought and feeling that you have straight down the bond. Do you think that I enjoy waking up in the middle of the night to see visions of you puking? Anyway, take the stairs to the right. Your room is on the first floor. We can talk over breakfast tomorrow. Is it a cell? So Favor has really strong PTSD of being trapped and locked oh, in something. Okay. Favor, you are my guest, not a prisoner. None of my subjects are going to hurt you, touch you, or even think ill of you while you're here. Why is this place so empty? Where, where's your court? Amarantha's creativity was not her strong suit. Let's just put it that way. She knew that the night court was the most feared court of all of Printhian, so she chose to replicate it. Under the mountain, there is a court. And that is what her court was based off of. So the throne room, everything was replicated by the night court. Like it was originally the night court and Amarantha did it under the sacred mountain. Oh, okay. So that's where all of his court politicians and all of them live. But he lives on top of the mountain in his private yeah. residence that no one is allowed in unless they have a death wish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I imagine your beloved thinks I'm holding you under the mountain right now. I preside over the court every now and then, but mostly I let it rule itself. So you're not taking me there. Feyre wanted to beg him to never take her there. Like she would snap, she would lose it. I am not taking you there. This is my home. The court is, I guess mortals would call it my occupation. I don't often enjoy mixing the two. And Rasanne tells her to stop asking questions, basically, and get some rest. He starts walking off, but Feyre just feels utter, total rage take over. This asshole thinks that he could just hold her captive. I mean, not captive, like in a five-star luxury resort, but but still, okay, still captive. I mean, it's giving her a flashback to all the annoying things that he put her through when she was held by Amarantha. So without even thinking through the consequences, she snatches up her high heel and throws it at Rasand with all of her strength. It slams into his head. He turns around, eyes wide, but Feyre's already got another shoe in her hand and she yaks it at him. And he's like, I dare you. He looks so royally pissed. She flings it, he catches it, and disintegrates it into black dust in his hand. He stares at Feyre, but this time he doesn't look angry. He just says one word. Interesting. And he walks off. And she's even more pissed. What does that mean? What are you, are you kidding? Like imagine being so pissed at someone that you resort to violence and they just go, interesting. <laughs> imagine I yell at you and you're like, interesting and then walk off i would be oh my god i'd be beside myself okay he disappears out of sight and Feyre hears this very bright woman a woman's voice say well that went well <laughs> who's this woman <laughs> so Feyre goes to her room slams the door shut 
dream, literal dream. The windows, there's no windows, no glass, no shutters, just sheer curtains in the breeze. She could see all the stars. In the center of the bed is creamy white with all these plush pillows. The bath is more like an infinity pool hanging over the mountain, but it's not cold. It was incredible. Everything was velvet, silk, sheer curtains. It was so elegant, yet so cozy. And the first thing she wanted to do was take off her wedding dress. She opened the wardrobe and it was all packed with clothes her size, but they're all in the nightshades. Amethyst, lavender, emerald, black, gray. She don't like that? She doesn't care for it. It's definitely the colors of that court. It's like saying something, you know? Uh. But the detail she noticed and loved, almost all pants. All the clothes were comfortable to move in, to run in, yet exotic yeah. and feminine and sensual without being overly. Come on, his riz game is. His riz game is <laughs> on something, oh, yeah. okay? And they were beautiful, okay? There was no doubt. That night, she laid in bed, sobbing her eyes out, and it had hit her. She almost said no to Tamlin. The next morning, Feyre joins Rosanne at breakfast. It was obviously by his request, but Feyre wouldn't have showed up. She just wanted to know what was going on. You know, she's like, why am I here? She sits down in front of him. I thought it would always be night at the night court. We are one of the solar courts. Dawn, day, night. Our nights are beautiful. Most of our residents will sleep during the day and stay awake during the night to enjoy the stars. The seasonal courts, they can use easy magic to keep a certain weather all the time. As powerful as the solar courts may be, nobody can alter the sun's path. They made some light talk, begrudgingly, before Rosanne made a comment. You've lost weight. Clearly, you have no problem spying on me, so I'm not even sure why it's a surprise to you. I do not spy in your mind. You send things down the bond that I cannot ignore. Well, how does that stupid bond work, anyway? Think of it like a bridge. There is a bridge between our minds, ever since under the mountain, and either end has a door an opening to our respective minds. But that door is closed. It is a shield. My innate skill is to slip through anyone's mental shield, with or without this bridge, unless they're very, very strong or very well trained specifically to keep that shield intact. I can break through most shields. Mortals have no shields, but after you turned fey, sometimes you will have a shield up unknowingly, which I can still get through if I wish, but I choose not to. Most of the time when I see your emotions... It's because your emotions are heightened. You have no shield up and you might as well open that door and be screaming down the bridge at me. If you're loud enough, I will hear it. It is unavoidable. But perhaps I can train you. How to shield against someone like me, even with the bond bridging our minds. During breakfast, Rizan tells Feyre that the next week he wants to teach her how to read because she's illiterate and how to train her shield. She thinks it's redonkulous, like some sort of humiliation ritual. Does he want her to learn to read so he can ridicule her? I mean, it almost killed her during Amaranthus trials because she didn't know how to read the puzzle. And he saved her then, but it still it was weird. During breakfast, he asks, Feyre, has anyone mentioned you're very strong, even amongst Haifei? I am? I take that as a no. Have you tried to practice with anyone? No, why would I? We're in peacetime. You were reborn with the combined powers of the seven high lords. If I were you, I'd be very, very curious to see if those powers were transferred to me during the process. The specific powers of all the seven high lords. 
I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Farah saw Roseanne's back stiffen and his eyes flickered and footsteps start approaching. Arguably, not saying Farah thinks this, but objectively, you know, Roseanne, forget his personality. He is probably the hottest Faye out there. Like just look-wise, probably the most magical, beautiful, spectacular looking high Faye. I mean, she hates his guts, but like he's hot. And he knows it, okay? Objectively, more handsome than Tamlin. Even she can acknowledge that. But just his personality is disgusting. This woman walking in to join them for breakfast is the female equivalent. Beautiful. But she's got gold hair. Good morning, everyone. Feyre, this is my cousin, Morgan, or you can call her Moore. Moore, this is our lovely, kind, charming Feyre. Feyre shoots a nasty glance at Rasan before greeting Moore. Pleasure to meet you more. No need to lie to my face. You want nothing to do with us. And my cousin is forcing you to sit here during breakfast, isn't he? More, don't you have any duties to attend to? Farah realized that this was the woman teasing Roseanne last night and after she threw her shoes at him. Mm. You guys don't look like cousins. Farah glanced at Moore's blonde hair. We are cousins by the loosest definition. We were raised together and she is my only surviving family member. Farah wants to know what happened. Why is your whole family dead? But she bit her tongue. I didn't see you under the mountain more. So most people's high lords families were all under the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't there. I was um, enough more. And they continue bickering on like siblings. It was the most human Farah had ever seen Rosand. Like he's acting like a brother. Rolling his eyes. After breakfast, Farah's reading lessons begin. Why can't you just hire a tutor? Don't you have better, more important meetings and pressing matters to tend to? You're a high lord for crying out loud. Of course there are. But nothing is as delightful as watching you frustrated and bothered. Has anybody ever told you you're an asshole? Just read. Farah looked down at the neat handwriting and it was clearly Rizan's penmanship. You look absolutely delicious today, Feyre. Is that what you wrote? (sighs) He doesn't respond. And instead, she hears his voice in her mind. Uh Well, it's true, isn't it? Don't do that. Don't do that again. But Feyre felt something take hold of her brain. She had been pushing her chair back, but she stopped. She felt frozen. She can't move her body anymore. All she could do was basically drool and listen to the voice in her head. It's Reese's voice. This is what happens when someone comes into your mind. Someone with my power can easily slip in, see what they want, take what they want, and leave you with nothing. They could shatter your mind. If I go deeper, all they would take was half a thought from me, and you would be nothing. All of you would be wiped out. You would be left empty. You're lucky for the past three months, nobody with my powers came to you. What do you mean people with his power? There's, there's other people has the same power as Not him? many. But, but there it are? is a type in history. A type in history? So they're, they're called Dimadi, I think. Uh-uh. But there's not that many. Very few and far between. But there's other realms. There's other kingdoms. And in the past, there have been others that have died. Oh, okay. So there are a few out there yeah. that's not in his family tree. But yeah. 
he's he's saying there are people out there, but not any notable high lords. Right, you know? right, right. Like yeah. these are like outsiders, probably from different realms, very mm. seedy characters. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, what would you do if they came into your mind? Shove me out. Do it. Feyre tries. She could feel sweat dripping down her face, but she didn't even know how to move. She pushed. He would push back, and she could hear his laughter just echoing through her mind. But slowly, she pushed him out. Not that he was even putting up much of a fight, but she got him out. Now put a shield up so I can't go back in. Feyre visualized building this impenetrable brick wall against Rizand. A little literal, but um, good, very good. Rizand ordered her to write this sentence over and over again while practicing shielding her mind. Is it possible to truly keep you out forever? Most likely not, but keep practicing and we can see how strong you are. Look, I appreciate it, but why do you need me to keep me here? I want to go home. You want to go home? Where you'll be wrapped up like a little present for Tamlin, as if he's the one that, that saved Printhia and you're nothing but his reward? You want to go home? Where you'll be locked up in the spring estate for the rest of your life until you start popping out airs? I can't wait to see what Ianthe does when she gets her hands on your precious little children. Why do you hate Ianthe so much? Who's Ianthe? The high priestess. Oh, okay. Rizan's face turned cold. He turned and said, Start copying the alphabet till your letters are perfect. Every time you get through a round, work on your shield. Make your shield second nature. And with that, he disappeared into thin air. He knows how to, you know how in Harry Potter, they just like ripple into a portal? Yeah. Yeah, basically he does that. They call it winnowing. That's what he does. He shows up a few hours later at a distance. And he makes his presence known. Feyre wonders if maybe he had seen Tamlin sneak up on her once. And she panicked so hard from her PTSD, she knocked him on his ass and punched him in the stomach. And it was humiliating, but also terrifying knowing that she could knock out Tamlin. And the rest of the week went by, with Feyre learning to read, write, and work on her mental shield. But there were a few key things that happened. So Rizand took her up onto the top of this tower attached to his mansion. And it was kind of like this control room, this army room. But it was one of the most intricate maps of Printhian that she had ever seen in her life, except the Northern Territory. The night court was left blank. Like in most maps of Printhian, the night court, all you see are just some mountain ranges and nothing else. So his own map doesn't include it. He doesn't want people to know. Even his own map is empty. Okay. Not even the mountain ranges are etched in. Why are you showing me this? She glanced down at the border between Printhian and the mortal world. Because her family still lives in that you know area on the border. Feyre, do you think the wall should stay there between the humans and the Fey? What? Yeah. My family are all... Your human family would be impacted if the border disintegrated. They live close to the border, do they not? Would they not flee if they had advance notice? What? What are you saying? War is coming, Feyre. Please, please don't do that. Please don't invade. You truly think so low of me, don't you? Even after everything. Look, the mortals don't even stand a chance. They're defenseless against Fey. I am not invading the mortal lands. The king of Highburn has been planning his campaign to reclaim the world south of the wall. 
So like I said, Printhian is not the only fey land in kingdom. There's an island near them called Highburn and it's ruled by somebody else. They don't have courts like Printhian. It's a one man show. And this man wants fey to take over the world. He thinks mortals are useless to be used as slaves and nothing else. Before the treaty back in his land, humans were slaves. Mm. How big is his land? Um, maybe like two thirds of Printhian. Oh, wow. It's big. It's so big. he controls two thirds of that. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing. And is he powerful? Very powerful. He was actually Amarantha's commander. Commander? Sent Amarantha in to take over Printhian so that they can get through to the oh. mortal lands better. Once they control Printhian, it's easier to invade. Okay, so this book, we got a bigger evil guy. Yes. Ah. Now he's getting involved because he's like, my minion failed, so I'm going to have to just ah. do the job, okay? <laughs> now, Amarantha was just his puppet. That's it. Rissand is now saying that the king of Highburn has plans to invi- invade the mortals once again. So there's um, two types of fairies. They're considered loyalists. So think, keep the fae bloodlines pure. Humans mm-hmm. are dirt, trash, tainting us. Mm-hmm. Rissan says he will try to send Printhian back into chaos and use that as a time to break the wall. When? The wall has been up for the past five centuries. How can he just break it? I brought you here for this, Feyre. I don't know where or when he plans to attack. I don't know who he is allies with. Cowards who would rather be on his side than fight his armies and lose again. Okay, but why are you why are you telling me this? You're close to Tamlin. He has men, but he also has long ties to Highburn. His father was one of Highburn's best friends. So Tamlin's dad was like pro I hate the humans. He was super loyalist. Tamlin was not. He went against his father during the war. So Tamlin's dad has connection to this evil dude. Yeah, and a lot of people in the Spring Court probably do, like the powerful high phase. Uh-huh. And Feyre is very upset by this insinuation. She says, well, he would never help Highburn. He is not his father. His dad was an ally of Highburn and didn't want to give up his enslaved humans. I just want to know if Tamlin is willing to fight with us. Well, if he is, he would never tell me. And I saw what you did during Amarantha's games. I need your skill set. Yet there, there are far better trained hunters out there than me, more experienced, more skilled. I've been a Fey for three months. He said, but I don't trust them the way I trust you and the powers. Blood powers. Okay, stop. I can't do these noises. (laughs) You and Tamlin are trying to pretend everything is normal, but the strength, the speed, the powers you're displaying could rival the power of a high lord. You were reborn by all seven of us. What if we gave you more than we expected? What if we each gave you a power that only we have mastered? What if you are a high lady? Yeah, well, there's no such thing as high ladies. <laughs> and who says? There can be high ladies. And one who could wield the power of seven high lords at once would surely be a high lady. Damn, she's all, I mean, he's all about woman empowerment. I know, he's so hot, okay? He's like, blend into darkness, read minds like I can, shape shift like Tamlin, freeze an entire room over like winter, manipulate water like summer, fire for autumn. Do you know what you could do? You could be the ultimate weapon in this war. Yeah, well, Tamlin would never let me. Tamlin, I didn't know he was your keeper. He is my high lord and I am his subject. You are nobody's subject. I'll say this only once. You can be someone's reward. 
you can spend the rest of your immortal life feeling insecure as if you're not worthy of him trapped in that house if that's what you want then so be it but i don't think that for a second you're okay with being a trophy wife for someone who sat idly and watched as you were shredded apart in front of him basically tamlin did nothing during amaranthus games Mm. or you could master your powers I can help you and you can make a difference in this war because whether you like it or not, war is coming. Don't be unprepared. The rest of the week went by quickly. Rizan barely made an appearance after that, but he always left her new writing tasks and shielding tasks for her mind. The writing tasks were the most annoying. They always were her to repeat and rewrite a million times. Rizand is the most handsome high lord. Rizand is the most delightful high lord. Rizand is the most cunning high lord. Fantastic, okay? Side note, one more thing that Feyre overhears during her first week, and it feels like Rissand wanted her to hear. There's just no way that she was able to sneak up on him without him knowing. But he was talking to Moore, who was telling him that there was another temple attack. Another temple had been attacked. Every priestess in that temple, slaughtered, murdered, the treasure, the historical artifacts, looted. Nobody knows who did it. No trace behind, no survivors left to talk, nothing. What are they looking for? What's in the temples? Once Feyre made her presence known, by accident, of course, Moore winnowed away, literally vanished into thin air so she knows how to winnow. And Feyre asked, how does that vanishing work? I've only seen a very few Fey do it. Think of locations as a piece of cloth. Fold it and you can end up in a different destination. Sometimes the destination is shorter or longer, or there are more, more folds or ripples in the cloth. Only the stronger Fae can winnow. The more powerful you are, the farther that you can jump in one go. Sorry about your temple and the priestesses who were murdered. Plenty more will die in the war. You mentioned something when you were talking to more about Illyrians. Could it have been them? Who are, who are Illyrians? Illyrians are the warrior race within our lands. Typical general pain in the ass. And with that, the conversation ended and Reese literally flew out the window like a bat. And she's like, what? And he's like, no, 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 Batman. What? <laughs> like, what's going on? So by the end of the week, Feyre demands to go home. He winnows her back to spring court and she shoves him away from her. And she saw it. She saw home. She was so happy. She made a run for it while Rissand is calling after her. See you next month. When Feyre rushes in, Tamlin and Lucian are in the study. Claw markings are all over the study wall. Tamlin had undoubtedly trashed this entire place, but Feyre didn't care. She ran into his arms and he's inspecting her all over. Are you all right? Did he hurt you? Did he touch you? I'm okay. It's okay. Nobody hurt me. Nobody touched me. What did you do there? They had a brief moment together of love before Tamlin looked sheepishly at Lucian and then back at Feyre. And it's clear he was about to do something he didn't want to do. What? I need to ask you some questions, Feyre. We need information on the night court. I'm sorry, I know it's soon, but it's for our own good, it's for our own safety. Oh, (laughs) I didn't realize I was a spy the past week. It's just we need to know our enemy and this is our only chance. Everything, tell us the layout of the court inside the mountain or do you not remember under the mountain? Most people who come out of the night court, they have their memory scrambled by Rissand and that's the case, it's okay. Feyre bit her lip, contemplating, but she knew that Tamlin just wanted to protect her and wanted to protect his people, and he loved humans. She loved him, and he loved her. She told him everything. The dead priestesses in the temple, the map, everything. 
and about what he said about her powers. Do you think I have abilities? Possibly. So I should train? No. If you train, the others will know that you're powerful and they will not stand someone having a single drop of their powers. The other high lords would kill you. I would never use it against them. It doesn't matter. You will have a target on your back. You don't need to train. I can protect you. Besides, there is no war against Highburn. Reese said that war is inevitable. Even Lucian snorted. Oh, and Reese knows everything, doesn't he? Hmm. No, but he, he was worried. And I think that I can, despite what he thinks you can do, Feyre, I'm not letting you near a battlefield. There will be no training and this stays between us, okay? But Highburn, Tamlin shut Feyre down. She didn't fight him. And this seemed to be on and off for the next three weeks. Tamlin putting his foot down on every little thing and Feyre just giving in because she didn't have the mental space or capacity to have full-blown fights with this guy. She was so exhausted. After a week at Rissan's place, she'd gained some color back on her face, gained some weight back. She didn't wake up to puke a lot there because the windows were open. So she never had nightmares that she was trapped. The whole place always had this warm breeze, so she always remembered she was free. Damn, come on now. The Riz game come is crazy, okay? She was able to keep food down, but back at spring court, she's losing weight rapidly again, and the tith didn't help. Tax day rolls around. April, whatever. Is it April? It's May. It's April, May. They're set up in a room, so all the four of them are in there. It's Tamlin and... She's sitting on a table next to him, literally like king and queen. And then Ianthe and Lucian are just standing by the side. There's a receiving room that servants would gather all the stuff that they, so they don't pay in cash. They pay in gold. They pay in whatever else they have. They put it in the receiving room, which honestly feels more like a throne room. It just felt ick. Feyre had to greet every single citizen and say hello while they gave up a portion of their assets for the high court of spring. Farah felt like it was a blur. She checked out at one point until a naked woman with dark long hair covering her private parts slithered in. She's definitely a different type of fae. Her eyes, every single part of her eye was pitch black. She was beautiful, but terrifying. And when she opened her mouth, her teeth were sharp pikes and her skin looked oily, almost grayish hinted, gray hued and oily, like wet. Is she a full human body or a no. snake? She's a water wraith. They live in the ponds. What the water? What does that look like? Like mermaidish. Oh. They've got webbed fingers. Her feet are webbed, oh. but she has human form. Uh-huh. But it's grayish tinted. Okay, okay. So she's in the from the water. Yeah, she's okay. from the water. They reside in the ponds and feast on literally anything that enters that water. Fish, human, fae doesn't matter. If they can catch it, they'll eat it. And her skin looked so creepy, iridescent. She greeted Tamlin, who looked at her with a little bit of disgust. I come on behalf of the water wraiths. Please, High Lord, we have no fish. Everyone is expected to pay. High Lord, we are starving. No exceptions. You have three days to present the tith or I'll have to hunt you down. Please, my sisters, there is nothing left in the lake. Why are they so mean, though? Like, yeah. Why are they so mean? That's what I'm saying. These are technically his people, right? Three days. If you fail, you know what will happen. Conversation was over, and the water wraith looked desperately around, and no one made eye contact with her. You know what I mean? And uh, Feyre turns to him after she walks out. Tamlin, we don't need fish. We don't need fish. 
So they're really trying to make Tenlim not likable here. Yeah. Like, like we trying really hard. We don't need fish. We've got a castle full of gold and more food than we can consume. Why do we need a few fish? It's not like she's going to sell the fish and give you gold. And even then, do you need gold? Why do you need to see her suffer like that? One exception means exceptions for all. Yeah, well, we don't need half the things we have. Is this even necessary? This is how it's always been. And one day, our son shall do the same. <laughs> okay, Tamlin squeezed Feyre's hand. Feyre got up, excused herself to get some fresh air. But instead, she chased after the water wraith, pulled off her diamond necklace and earrings. Here, take this. Give him what you owe and buy yourself, some, buy yourself and your sister some food. The water wraith, her eyes went wide and she looked up at her. What do you want in return? Nothing. It's a gift. Just please take it. You want nothing in return? Nothing. Just take it. The fae bowed deeply. Thank you. I will never forget this kindness, nor will any of my sisters. And she slithered off. So yeah. water rates are actually known as vile creatures. Yeah. None of the fae respect them because um, they're known to have insatiable hungers. So even Alice, the servant, will later scold Feyre for this by saying, she'll spend that in two seconds. And Feyre said, it doesn't matter as long as I did something. Damn, they have a lot of foreshadow, not foreshadow, like, you know. Oh, but also foreshadowing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yes, what, what, what? No, nothing. Yeah. How do you like Tamlin? I don't like him, you yeah. know, just very traditional, very stubborn, very close-minded for no f***ing reason. Yeah. And it also makes me think if, I don't know, you know how he, you say that he is not like his father? He went against his father, but now he's talking about so much f***ing traditions and sons and this. So it makes me question his where his loyalty lies. Yes, and it makes me question, did he go against his father because he didn't believe in his father's message? Or did he go against his father to take the throne? Yeah, or maybe he never did. I don't yeah. know. It's just, I don't know. This guy is... This guy is shady. Yeah. So that night, Tamlin was angry with Feyre at the dinner table. Of course he knew. I mean, all the guards, they had been stalking her the second she stepped back into spring court, like a hawk. If you keep doing that, you undermine our court and you make me and this entire court look weak. I mean, do I really need the jewelry, Tamlin? I have never repeated jewelry since I got here. You don't think that's crazy? You don't know what it's like to be starving. You don't know what it feels like to go without food. You don't know that feeling, so how can you tell me what to do? Lucian tried to calm everyone down, tried to play the middleman. Tamlin, she meant no harm. It's fine. Worse things have happened. Remember Amarantha? <laughs> Remember? That was bad. During dinner, Pharaoh was so pissed. She had an out-of-body experience. Her whole vision went black, and then she was moving fast. Out of her body and straight into Lucian's. She saw Lucian's <gasps> memories. They weren't hers. They were Lucian's. She was in his mind. She saw things she had never learned of Lucian. And she was so f frightened and startled. She jumped up from the dining table, glanced down. She, both of her hands had been on the dining table uh -huh. and it's wood. Uh -huh. Now there was incinerated burn marks of her hands. So she's like fire plus mind control. Everything. Does Lucian know though that she... Like they can all kind of sense it. Every time she gets emotional, she kind of blacks out and they see claws coming out, shape-shifting. Like things will happen when she gets emotional. So she just peaked Lucian's mind. Did Lucian know that she peaked no. his mind? He has no 
Clue. No, but they know about the fire, the claws, like visual things. But she can go into his mind and no one will know. So all these people seeing it, they're pretending to ignore it yeah. and all that. Pretending like everything is A-OK right. and she's A-OK. They're literally just hoping that she gets better mentally. Like, you're fine. You're fine. Even though you're the one that fought the games, we're dealing with some shit too. You'll be fine. It's crazy. So anyways, she runs upstairs, slams the door shut. And that night, Tamlin tries to apologize by calling her into the giant study and giving her a new present. He was so eager for her to open it. And all she prayed was, please don't let it be more jewelry or another bedazzled crown or anything like that but it was worse it was paint another paint set mm. and i think the worst part about it is not even just the paint triggers her ptsd but it's the fact that he, he keeps know. telling her to paint she hasn't painted since she got back and he keeps telling her just go paint okay so i mean so this guy is like a straight male that's not paying attention to no. anything versus we have the other... Resand. Like, he can read her mind. He's but, like the female gaze. Yeah, he knows everything yes. that she needs and wants. And yes. So, I mean, there is a kind of an unfair advantage. No, but he doesn't go into her mind. Oh, he just pays attention. Yes. Okay. And he's like pretty good at picking up other people too. He's just smarter, I think. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. Tamlin's just giving straight Chad vibes. Yeah. Even Lucian is smarter than Tamlin. Yeah. Like, come on, Tamlin. Anyway, all the colors are right there. So bright. The red is in a glass vial, gleaming. Thera tries to fake smile, but he sees through it. And she confesses, I just can't do this anymore. I can't stay cooped up in this house doing nothing. I can't paint. I need to help. I need to do something. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my mind. He refused and she snapped. Then marry someone who can put up with that because I can't. Do you not want to marry me anymore? Of course I do, Tamlin. It's just... I'm drowning. The more guards that you keep around me, they're pushing me under the water and I'm drowning. And then everything exploded. Literally, the glass bottles of paint, the desk, the wood desk, everything exploded into tiny little shards. The windows shattered. Tamlin's rage had shattered everything. But neither of them were hurt because there was an invisible bubble around them. And the shield was not created by Tamlin. But Feyre. Dude. Tamlin sank to his knees, begging for forgiveness. I can't control it. Sometimes it happens since under the mountain. I'm so sorry. The rage today was so bad. Please forgive me, please. I'm going to do better. I'm going to get help. Less guards. I promise. Less guards. Yes, promise. Feyre felt bad, so she held him in her arms. And she didn't respond. She just stared at the red paint dripping down the walls. And she thought, it looks like blood. The next few weeks went in a blur. There were less guards, so Tamlin, I guess, is trying, but they never talked about anything that happened. They never talked about their feelings, their PTSD, nothing. They just kept doing it so that they wouldn't have to think about any of this. But it was time again. The voice. Thera, are you, are you running low on food here? Resand, get out! It's the time of the month. He looked down at Feyre, who was only in a sheet covered in a blanket. Her clothes were shredded, evidence of another passionate night, and put on some clothes. End her bargain now, and I will give you anything you want, Resand. Thank you, but I already have everything I want. Before Feyre could say goodbye, she was winnowed back to the night court. Everything's still rosy over there. 
Are you in my head again? No. You had your shield up the past month and I had no interest bypassing it. But one day, I'm in the middle of an important meeting. Sheer terror blasts through the bridge. All I saw was you and him on the floor and nothing else. Curious to know what happened. So the shield day. I'm fine. It's this small argument. If you're fine, why are you physically wasting away? So he forced her to eat breakfast. But other than that, he stayed out of her way other than trying to give her more writing prompts, asking her to practice her mental shield. Eventually, she learned how to read full books. I guess Faye brains work faster too. Found that it was her only refuge. She's probably reading about like us humans. <laughs> Do, you know how we read fantasy books? They're reading about like human fantasy, you know? She just wanted to get lost in another world. Roseanne tries to get Feyre to open up, but she's not even... She's such a shell of a person. She's not even being snappy or sassy. Like they used to get off on this banter. Even when she was under the mountain, they had banter and that anger kept her alive. He would say something to just piss her off. There was one time where Feyre almost wanted to give up and he's, he, I think he licked her face. There was a tear streaming down her face and she was like, just kill me. And he licked her tear off and she felt pure female rage. And then he disappeared and she was stomping around her cell all night. Like, I'm going to kill that guy. I'm going to kill him. Okay. But she wasn't even doing that anymore. And so Rusan is like, tell me how to help. You're a ghost. Does no one in the spring court care? Does your high lord simply not care about what's going on? He's giving me space to figure it out. Let me help you. We went through a lot under the mountain. Look, the winds if you let yourself fall apart. Feyre blasted conversation over through the mental bridge. So she didn't say it. She just said conversation over and then slammed her shield down. But Roseanne snapped through her shield and said, like hell it is. And this pissed off Feyre. She started feeling heat and then ice. She threw the book that she was reading at him and they both looked down and it was covered in ice. Good. What else do you have? Her hands were balled into fists and there was fire. And for once, Farah felt something other than emptiness. She felt anger and it was nice. It was like, it was nice to know she could feel things still. So what are the powers again? So we don't know all of them yet. Fire is autumn. Yeah. Ice is winter. Uh-huh. Water is spring or water is summer. Uh-huh. Spring is shape-shifting. Uh-huh. Reading mind is night court. Wind is day court. I don't know what dawn is. Shield? Shield might be dawn. I don't know if wind and shield are the same thing yet. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. But like she can control wind later, we find okay. out. Damn. Yeah. So anyway, it was nice. But in a week, she was returned back to spring court and Tamlin was waiting for her and he was pissed. He walked her back into the house. I'm going to end this bargain, even if it kills me. And there she saw triple the amount of guards as before. <gasps> It was full force protection mode. She wasn't allowed to even step foot out of the house. What, what is he protecting from? Roseanne, he's going to figure out how to end this part. He's just uh, pissy, okay? Was this going to be her life for eternity? At spring court, Feyre overheard Ianthe whispering in the study to Tamlin and Lucian. She was talking about Feyre. Lucian was arguing Feyre needs to be trained. And Ianthe was arguing to Tamlin, or Ianthe was arguing... It won't just be her that's targeted for her powers. Tamlin, your children will too. Your children will have these powers and not only are they at risk, but other high lords will wonder, what happens if she bears children for us? 
her children will be gifted with far more powers than most high fae. She will be taken, locked up, and turned into some sort of breeding machine. Tamlin argued, if any of the high lords did that, kidnapped her, turned her into a breeding machine, they would face war from the other six courts in the kingdom. That would be stupid. They wouldn't do anything that stupid. Ianthi argued, Rizand is that stupid. A day might come where he does not return her. He will whisper poison into her ears. And Lucian argued, yes, will all the more to train her, High Lord. If the other High Lords come for her, including Rizand, let her stand a chance. Feyre held her breath waiting for a response, but Tamlin was firm. No. Does Tamlin have no brain cells? <laughs> no. So Feyre needed to go out for once, take a walk or something. That night, Tamlin and Lucian were going to the western border because there had been some activity there. And she begged, can I come? We can't risk it, not when enemies might know you're special. Please, I can fight, I can still hunt, and I'm immortal, and you're there, Lucian is there, and we're in the spring court. Feyre thought about following after them after they leave, but Tamlin said, don't even think about it. There will always be a reason, Tamlin, that I can't leave this house, I, and I can't live like this. Tamlin and Lucian, they start walking off without her, and she's begging at this point, please, I need to leave, please. And she stepped forward and hit an invisible wall at the front door. She tried to push it, but it was firm. She was slamming her fist on it. What is this? Lucian looked at her and told her, it's a protection shield. Everyone can come in and get out, but you can't leave until we get back. Just please give him some time. And they walk off. But Feyre has PTSD. It's a prison. She starts breathing faster and going to the windows and she can't feel any breeze. She can't feel anything. She's sealed inside this house. Her breathing becomes difficult. She, she can't, it feels like she's under the mountain again. She runs into her room. She, he locked her up. She felt like her body was going to fall into a thousand pieces, 10,000 pieces. She was screaming and all she could hear was Alice screaming her name, but she could not do anything. Her whole body, she's looking around. There is ice, wind, fire, darkness swarming around her. It's like all of her powers are about to eat her alive. And then she felt a woman picking her up and Alice telling the woman, please take care of her, please. It was more. Rissand was nowhere to be seen. Pharaoh was still panicking. The whole time they winnowed back, more kept whispering, you are free, you are free, it is okay, you are free. And Pharaoh felt relief because for once, since she left under the mountain. It was not, you are safe, you are protected. It was, you are free. Farah heard more tell Rissand that she did everything by the book. And Farah could feel herself being transferred into his arms. And then there was this soft darkness that filled the air. And it made her feel like she could breathe again. And then it brought her to sleep. She woke up and Rizand was sitting on the armchair across from her, just staring at the mountains. He looked, he looked pissed, but also exhausted. What? Where? What happened? You scared the shit out of every servant in Tamlin's place. You wrapped yourself in darkness. A lot of them couldn't even see you. Were they hurt? No, it was contained to you. By, lo by law and protocol, it would have been complicated, messy, if I were to walk into the house to get you. So I sent more. But when I go back, your presence here right now is not part of the monthly requirement. So by rules, you are under no obligation to go back, unless you wish. He trapped me. I know. I don't really have anywhere else to go, though. 
stay here for as long as you want, forever, for today, whatever you feel like. I'm not going, I'm not going to go back until I figure it out. Was the darkness from you? I assume. And the wind, day court, possibly. Winnowing is not tied to any court, though. Roseanne gets up to tend to some other business, and Pharaoh was left behind to rest, but she couldn't stand the thought of being alone, so she's like, take me with you. You should rest. All I did was rest for the past, I don't know how many weeks. Wherever you're going, take me with you. I promise I won't cause trouble. I promise. Please, if you come with me, there is no going back. You can never repeat what you saw in this court to anyone, to spring court, to Tamlin, to your friends, to family, nobody. It will always be a secret between you and them. And if you can't handle that, then you should just rest. I can. I can do it. Take me with you. We leave in 10. Go freshen up. So she's like, where are we going? And he says, Valeris, the city of starlight. Ten minutes later, they winnowed into another house. This one was like a cozy cottage townhome. It looked like nothing like the palace, you know? The palace looks like a magical ski resort. This looks like a cabin. A cabin that is lived in. A fireplace, wood, dining table. It was home. And it was in a city. A city that was too big to have been destroyed by Amarantha. How is that possible? Welcome to my home. Well, we have two homes in the city. This one is just for me and my family, though. The other one is for official business. Roseanne asks the twin servants to take Farah up to her room to get some rest. Meanwhile, he's got guests over downstairs, and Farah is too tired to even comprehend what the hell is going on. But she looks out her window, and there's townhomes with gardens, and she hears children galloping and playing and hee-hee-ha-haing. There's a fountain, but not like it's not like spring court where it's a grand fountain. It's one of those tiny fountains that just split water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the noise is so welcoming. Everything was welcoming. There's massive quilts. I mean, how could this place be untouched by Amarantha? She turned to the servants. How, how, how did this place survive? Our high lord is very powerful and was devoted to his people long before he became high lord. He did everything to protect this place. But still, how did it survive? That is not our story to tell. What he did, what he gave to shield this city is only something he can tell you. Pharaoh was too sleepy to ask more. So when she woke from her nap, Roseanne offered to show her around the city. It was beautiful. The city was on a hill and it went all the way down straight to the shoreline next to the sea. Townhomes lined the street. Fae children were running around, smiling, laughing. Think Switzerland. Everything is walkable. Everyone is dining outside, walking at a leisurely place. It's beautiful. And yet it is so unfair. Feyre felt so much resentment. After everything everyone else went through, why did these people get to live in bliss? Like not knowing anything that had happened. Instead, they're at restaurants and shops and their chimneys have smoke puffing out of them. It felt like the safest city in the world. How lucky for you, Rosand. The rest of Printhian was ravaged while your people and your city remained safe. Did you ever think for once, for one moment, to extend that luck to others? Valeris is not known to any others. It is a secret city. All the other cities in Printhian are known. Amarantha never knew of the existence of this place. Spells, wards, ruthless ancestors who were willing to do anything to keep a place of goodness in this world had set this up. Well, you could have opened it up as a place of refuge for others. 
I had to make some hard choices very quickly. And now is not the time for that conversation. Feyre noticed a few things as they walked around the town. First of all, she was resentful that everyone seemed to be so peaceful and never had any of these crazy memories that she did and PTSD and no rebuilding. And second of all, in the spring court, no matter where she went, and just any court, everyone bowed to the High Lords. No one feared or bowed to resent like she expected. Some approached to shake his hand and welcome him back. Others smiled. Others just struck up conversation with him as if he was just any other citizen. He all knew them by their names. And nobody called him High Lord. They called him Resand. Bruh. Isn't he just the most perfect guy? <laughs> so, Rizand asks Farah to join him in his inner circle for dinner at the House of Wind. And she's like, House of Wind? He pointed up at one of the highest mountains, and sure enough, there was a house built into this cliff. So think modern Iron Man type home. Concrete, structured, everything is angled. Who's going to be at the dinner? My inner circle. You've met more, but there are three others. Cassian. Azriel and Armin. Who? Amren is my second in command. A woman? That's unusual for a high lord, isn't it? Moore is my third in command, so I guess you could say both my top in command are women. Amren is, you'll see soon enough. It's clear that something underneath her skin, her facade is different. She's not one of us. She has a bit of a temper, though, so please be mindful of that during dinner. If it means anything, only once in the past century have I ever interrupted Amran. So he told her that Amran was older than 5,000 years, which is terrifying. But she is this incredibly powerful creature trapped in a fey body. More powerful than fey, but trapped in a fey body. So she, her powers are not as good right now. Oh, okay. But, okay. That night, Pharaoh was annoyed because Rusan insisted they fly to the House of Wind. He would have to hold her tightly in his arms while he flew her up the mountains. And she's like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. The house is protected against winnowing. So unless you would rather walk. So on the flight, Rusan tells her quietly, when I was a boy, I would sneak out of the House of Wind by leaping out the window. And I would just fly all night. Looping around the city, sometimes the sea. Sometimes I still do. Your parents weren't upset. My mother would scold me when she caught me, but then she would jump out and fly with me till the sun came up. She sounds lovely. She was. They landed on the House of Wind, and they both stared at the mountains and the city below them and the endless sea. You say what's on your mind, one thing, and I'll say something too. Like a truth for a truth. Mm -hmm. Roseanne spoke first. I'm thinking about spending 50 years locked up by Amarantha, never being able to see this place again. I dreamt about it, and if war is to come again, it'll be long before we have another night like this. I told you three things, so tell me one. I'm thinking I must have been so desperate to allow myself to be shown such little love and care by the Spring Court. I'm thinking there's so much to this world that I might have never been able to see. I'm thinking that I fell in love with the first person that treated me with any semblance of kindness. I'm thinking that maybe he knew that about me. Before Rissand could comment on that, two men with wings showed up. So the wings are not as big as powerful as Rissand's, but they have wings. Okay, this is like the first people she's seeing with wings. Powerful, muscled, shredded bodies and dark leather and dark 
bat-like, raven-like wings, long swords attached to their backs. They look crazy. One is Cassian, who is this funny playboy outgoing guy. He is Alarian and the head of the Night Court's armies. So this is a big dude, okay? Now then we have Asriel, who is quiet, much more reserved. His hands brutally scarred. That's the first thing that she sees about him. For an immortal, immortal to be injured like that, it would have been really, really bad. He must have been tortured. His face was cold, unreadable, poker face. He was also Alarian. And to give you some more context to this dynamic, Cassian is the crazy boy but softy at heart vibes Azrael is loyal quiet reserved keeps to himself but very observant of others and it seems like Azrael and more have some kind of thing going on like they always share glances at each other they're always um yeah it's weird mm-hmm. it's not really clear they always glance at each other mm-hmm. i don't know what's going on and then we have more which we already know and then Amran, the Fae who's not really Fae. We don't even know for sure what she is, but just know that everyone in Perinthian is terrified of her. And she is Rissan's right-hand woman. For some reason, she has a strong allegiance to him, which, I mean, he does treat her with a lot of respect. She is a few inches shorter than Feyre, and the Fae body that she's trapped in is with a chin-length bob, black hair, sleek, glossy bob. Her face is pretty boring, Amran, but her eyes. So you know how the water wraith had completely black eyes? Mm-hmm. Amran has silver eyes, like smoke in a glass, not even just opaque silver. There's like smoke swirling around. It's a lot. She walks right up to Feyre. There are two of us now, reborn into something else, trapped in strange bodies we're not used to. Huh. huh. So she's something like her. Mm-hmm. Well... You would be the third, Miriam. But, well, many of us haven't heard from her in centuries. Isn't that right? Interesting. So now we're like, who is Miriam? Is she going to be important in this later? I don't know. So they all sit around the dining table and start chatting. At first, it's light chit-chat, and Feyre is trying to hold her own, but Amran is constantly psychoanalyzing her. Mortal soul trapped in an immortal body. Huh. Feyre noticed that Amran wasn't even eating her dinner. Apparently, she only eats blood, so that's great. Yeah. During dinner, it's also revealed that none of them are high fey except for more. Cassian and Asriel are Illyrians, which are warrior breeds, and a lot of high fey look down on them as, like, brutes. Like, just like, muscle man, right? You know, just kind of like, not classy. You didn't have powers. All you do is hand-to-hand combat. Loser. You know? And uh, Rissand is half Illyrian, half Fae. So he's not pure blood Fae. Who? Rissand. He's half Illyrian. That's why he has the wings. Oh. A lot of skilled Illyrians have wings. Ah. What? He's half Illyrian, half Fae. So he's kind of looked down upon too? Yes. When he took over the night court, a lot of the subjects were trying to go against him. But because he's so powerful... They stood no chance. And then now after Amarantha, all of them have to basically pledge their allegiance to him. Because Amarantha is just that strong. Yeah. And then, you know, he took them back and saved them. He was part of saving them, you know. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. And Amran is, well, Amran. Nobody even knows what she was before she was put in this fey body. Nobody except Amran and probably Rissand. And none of them other than Rissand had been under the mountain which is weird. All the high court's inner circles were under the mountain because Amarantha was like, when I am going to take all these people captive, I'm going to take all their friends and family and anyone that I can control. Mm -hmm. All the lesser faith that have no power, 
they were put in like concentration camps. Mm-hmm. And so. But these people had never been there? Yeah. They got away. Yeah, so Feyre was kind of questioning that. They all mm-hmm. glanced at Rasand, and Feyre could see guilt and shame on all their faces. And it just kind of clicked. Maybe for them, it wasn't about which city they saved. Even if it wasn't in the court of night, maybe just saving one city, knowing there was one thing that was untouched, mm-hmm. no blood spilled by Amarantha, maybe that was better than nothing. So how did you guys all meet? Cassian responded, well... We hated each other at first. Uh, Az and I, bastards. We're full Alarian, but our mothers were not the main wives of our fathers. We were sent to training camps to practice our skills. Az, oh, this guy Az was treated like a king by everyone but his own family. He was a shadow singer ever since he was young. It's like a Damati, you know, the ones who read minds like uh, Rissand. It's Shadow singers are rare. They hear and feel things that nobody else can. They have crazy spidey senses, basically. So they gave some backstory on how Illyrians are. They are unparalleled warriors with rich traditions, rich cultures. They are brutal, brutal, like a brutal breed. Sometimes backward, especially in the ways that they treat women. Reese's own mother was lowborn in um, the Illyrian circle. She was working as a seamstress. And once she started bleeding, she would be sold off to the highest bidder to breed to breed babies, even if that person was quadruple her age. And to make it worse, every female Illyrian has their wings clipped so they cannot escape. They cannot fly. They can do nothing but be breeding machines. So at 18, when she started bleeding, they tied her to a pole in the middle of their camp, tried to auction her off, and were about to clip her wings when Rissan's father the high lord of the night court, which rules over the Alarians as well, came to visit the camps just to see what was going on. Because the Alarians, they make up a big chunk of the army because mm-hmm. they're the warriors. And right when he saw that woman, it was the mating bond. It's not love. So the mating bond is not love. You could be have a mating bond and be soulmates with someone that you absolutely despise. Do you only have one? Yes. It's by like yes. whatever, fate. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it it clicked. Okay. So he missed it, everyone, in the camp. He missed it, everyone? Yeah, Farah's like, missed it? So Rissand picks up a lemon, has it floating in the air with his mind, and it turns into lemon mist. And they can do that with Faye. They can do that with people. They can literally turn you into mist. Like killing you. Yeah, Okay. like disintegrate you. Yeah. But either way, the love story wasn't great. The two were made mated, but they're not good for each other. You know, Rissan's father is cold, calculating, and his mom was very passionate and fiery personality. When Rissand was eight, his mom took him to a Illyrian training camp and just threw him in there and was like, well, hope you survive. Not because she didn't love him, but she always told him, I don't want you to just depend on your magic, mm-hmm. on your dad's side. You need to learn to fight. You are Alarian. She also wanted him to master everything else. Learning, be well-read, understand history. You need to be academic, everything. And that's where he meets Cassian and Az. They all hated each other, okay? But Cassian, he was basically an orphan, no food, nothing. He would sleep outside, just on the mountainside, on rocks. And he would just look for any scraps of food. The only way he got food or clothes would, he would make deals with cocky boys and he'd say if i can beat you up i get your clothes that's the only way 
And so one day, Resend, because his mom was staying on the base and he had this beautiful, I guess, thing set up. He sees Cassian, who hates him. They hate each other. They had beef this whole time at the camp. And he's like, hey, you want to come in? Cassian's not dumb. He had never slept on a bed in his life. Mm-hmm. And immediately, Resend's mom said, you are not getting in that bed until you take a bath, young man. And it was the first bed he ever laid in. And they still hated each other while living together. But eventually they formed a brotherhood. And they were thick as thieves because they had a new enemy. Az. They hated Az, the new guy. Why did they hate Az? Because everyone in the camp loved Az. They were like, Az is the shadow singer. He's coming to train at our camp. Az, Az, Az. All the trainers are like, Az is going to be the best. He's going to be the baddest, right? So they were like, let's take him down. They all got into a brawl. They were all disciplined, but eventually they became friends for 20 years. And then 20 years later, Rissan's dad, the high lord of the night court who hadn't seen his own son for 20 years, came and said, it's time to fight in the war. This is the war from years ago, remember? Mm -hmm. With the loyalists and the humans. And his dad realized, my son has enough power, too much power. So he stuck him in all these shitty situations in the war. Mm -hmm. He separated the three because he was worried about them having an alliance together. Mm. So the dad cared more about his power. He wanted to use these three boys to fight his fight, Mm -hmm. but he didn't want them to feel... Overtake him. Yes. We don't know how he died, but we just know at one point, Reese was captured during the war. And Reese interrupted and said, that's another story for another time. But this was it. This was the real night court. Reese told Feyre, the one under the mountain, the court of nightmares, it's all for show. At least to the rest of Printhian, they think that the court of nightmares rules the night court. Even the court of nightmares think they rule. But I just let them do whatever they want. But this, this is the court of dreams. Wait, so he has a fake team. Of high fae that uh-huh. like think that they're ruling it. But all they're doing is like... We rule that the city on the left should have red streetlights. Uh, you're like, okay, do whatever you want. You don't know shit about what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. So he has a secret nation of soldiers. Yes. And the night, the court of nightmares doesn't know Valeris exists. Mm. So they don't even know. So this is his secret weapon that yes. he's going to use. Is there a lot of soldier here? No. Oh, it's yeah. just a happy land? Yeah, it's happy land. Oh, yeah. Okay. But this is the court of dreams. Half-breed High Lord with two female advisors and two Illyrian bastards. <sighs> and Amran. We don't even know what she is. So that night, they asked for Feyre's story and she told them everything. Merchant dad lost the whole fortune. Uh, starving, hunting. Cassian offered to teach Feyre how to do hand-to-hand combat. And she asked stupidly, you don't think that would send a bad message if people knew I was fighting or learning? Amran looked at her with full disgust. And Moore tried to intervene, soften the blow. You've left the spring court, Feyre. That itself sends a message. And I too lived once for others' opinions. But ultimately, Feyre, you have to do what you love. Or rather, what you need to do. Wouldn't she leaving there starting a war? No, because she... I guess it's... She willingly left? Yeah, Alice no. was, you know... Okay, okay. Yeah. Feyre smiled. Maybe Moore was the first friend. Not Ianthi. Maybe more, more was not telling her what to wear, what signals to send, who she had to support. More was just telling her, do what you want. And it's all cute and fun until Rissan interrupts. There is another reason I have brought everyone here together. 
The king of Highburn is going to wage war, and he wants to resurrect Jurian to do it. Jurian, the Eye Ring. Remember, Amarantha's sister was killed by Jurian, the ancient warrior. So Amarantha killed him and put his eyeball in a ring and wore it every single day. What the fork? Why the fork would the king of Highburn want to resurrect him of all people? Wait, why Jurian? What? That's what I want to find out. But also, how he plans on resurrecting him. No, no, all all seven high lords would have to agree to that. Like what happened to Feyre? There's not a chance in hell that's going to happen. Why would any of the high lords resurrect Jurian? Which means he's. Do you think the temples, the massacred temples recently, has anything to do with everything? I know it had something to do with this. They were looking for something, or they found it. I'm not sure. That that's why the. That's why the eye ring vanished after Amarantha died, and they never caught the Atar. So the Atar is a bony, silvery creature that does all the dirty work for the Highburn Kingdom. These creatures are from Highburn. Really nasty piece of work, okay? And it's like smart. It's not even just like a creature that's like, Rah, I want to eat. I want to eat. It's like, it's creepy. It's a creature that thinks. It's kind of. I imagine Amran was probably something like that, but maybe not that evil. Maybe more powerful. Mm. You know? Wait. How do you just take someone's eye and resurrect them back to life? Amran was the only one not confused, and she frowned. You have to go talk to the bone carver. Feyre could sense the atmosphere getting more tense. The, the bone carver. They all took turns being like, "Not it, not it." Roseanne stepped up. I will go with Feyre. What? <laughs> Amran interrupted. The bone carver will not talk to Rissand. We know that. We have nothing to offer him. He's not interested enough in Fay, but in a mortal with a mortal soul, he will find fascinating. The bone carver will want to talk to you, Feyre. The name bone carver was daunting enough, and the whole table stared at Feyre and said, "It's your choice, Feyre. Your choice." Feyre thought about it. She didn't really feel fear or anger. She don't even know what it is. Yeah. No, just in anything. She just felt whatever. She's like, I'm ready to die. How bad could it be? Cassian, this goofy guy all along, he just shakes his head. Bad. Really bad. And no one corrects him. The bone carver to Feyre's annoyance and PTSD was in prison. The prison that she was going to now go with Rissand. He was flying her there as we speak. And Rissand tells her about the bond to honestly keep her distracted since the prison in essence traps you. He tells her about the bond that was created when he saved her. Like the bridge they have between their minds. Mm -hmm. He said it was created because they made a deal. He was going to save her. So the magic found what she needed the most. Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense because I just needed to live the most. You needed to not be alone. That was what you needed the most, apparently. You let everyone think that you're this evil high lord that delights in the wicked evil of the court of nightmares. You let them think that so, so you can keep what matters safe. I love my people and I love my family, but don't think for a second that I won't do horrendous things to protect them. What was the cost of keeping Valeris in your inner circle safe? You know. She did know. He was Amarantha's whore and dirty doer. Mm -hmm. He was allowed to keep a tiny bit of his powers while the others were not. 
He did all her dirty work. He used those powers to mess with the minds of any night court citizen she captured to make sure that they never found out about Valeris, if any of them knew, to forget about his inner circle, more Amran, Cassian, Az, everything. So while the court of nightmares was taken over, the court of dreams was out of sight, trying to figure out what to do next. Rizant mentioned that he felt guilty for not being able to protect all the cities, but he had no choice, and now he lives with those consequences. Farah fell silent. The rest of Printhian doesn't know what you've done. It's a shame that they think you're the worst. They approach the island where the prison is, and there's nothing but a rock. It's a rock, a giant rock. It's a mound. The prison is under the rock. And she's like, oh my God, under the mountain, under the rock, under the stone. I'm going to die. I'm literally going to die. I'm going to have a panic attack right now. She's like, I can't, I can't. The place was created before Printhian was born, before the high courts. Why, why, why can't, why can't Amran go in? She was once a prisoner here. We cannot winnow in or fly in the entrance. Guards demand all visitors walk, so let's keep going. Farah couldn't move, and she told Rizan, I don't think I can do it. I, I don't think so. Without even a question, he winnowed her back home, and she spent the rest of the day. And then she woke up with Amran staring at her with smoky silver eyes at the foot of the bed. Jesus Christ! No wonder you're so thin. You reek of vomit. Here, take this. Is a gold necklace? This got me out of prison when I was trapped last time under the rock. Wear it. It can never keep you trapped there. But let me make this very clear. When you're back, you return it to me. If you keep it, I will find you, and you will not like what comes next. It's very special to me. Amran hissed and walked out the door. So the plan is back on. Rasan kept frowning at the amulet that's around Feyre's neck. What are you looking at? Amran gave you that. What exactly is Amran? Something worse than us. If she ever finds a way to take her original form, Cauldron save us all. They get to the prison gates, all carved out of bone. Wait, so... How is that necklace helping her getting there? It helps you escape. It's a magical amulet. What does that do? Teleport to you? Yeah, something. We don't know so yet. So now she doesn't have much, as much anxiety? Yeah, okay. we're about to find out, right? Okay, okay. And so uh, the, ga- the gates opened and Feyre starts panicking, but she's holding onto her necklace and he's guiding her through. They go down the rock layer after layer and you don't see any of the prisoners because the prisoners are embedded in the rock and they only get to come out when Rizand unlocks one of the cells. Otherwise they're trapped in stone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she's very confused. Do all the High Lords have access to this prison? No, the prison runs itself. The island itself could probably be another court, but it's under my jurisdiction. So my blood is keyed to the gates. But you can free them if you would like. Once someone is sentenced, they belong to the prison. It will never let them out, no matter who wants them to be. The prisoners were locked behind the stone. What exactly is the bone carver? Nobody knows. Everyone sees something different. So like a shapeshifter? Yes and no. When a regular shapeshifter shapeshifts, everyone sees the same shape. But with the bone carver, every single person sees something different. And why is he called the bone carver? Ivory bone doors appear. Rusand unlocks them. And Feyre sees a tiny little boy, eight years old, sitting in the cell. Rusand throws him a bone. 
it's a bone from one of Feyre's fights with the worm from the first book. She like used all these human bones to get out. She didn't uh-huh. kill anyone, but the human bones. It was the last one she used in her bone ladder. This guy's obsessed with bones. He made all the bone gates. He carves things out of bones. He's like a sculpture, but with bones. Yeah. But the way the bone carver spoke, there was no innocence, no kindness, no eight-year-old. Pharaoh was told ahead of time, never lie to the bone carver. The bone carver gets up near the cell. Are you frightened? Yes. Pharaoh. Where did you go when you died? A question for a question. The boy cocked his head to resend. You were always smarter than your father's. Tell me where you went, what you saw, and I will answer a question for you. Farah clenched her fist because she has to tell the truth, so she now, she now has to remember what happened when she died. I heard the crack of my neck. It was in my ears, and I felt like I could hear it in my skull, but I couldn't feel any pain. Then briefly it went dark, There was a thread, though, so I pulled on this thread, and it led me to see, but not through my eyes, through his, through Roseanne's, and I knew that I was dead, because I could see me on the floor. What else? What else did you see? Only the bond in the darkness, and, and then I came back. Were you afraid? I didn't have time to fear. It was calm and quiet. I just followed the bond home. There was no other world. If there was, it didn't show itself to me. So no portal, portal anywhere? Roseanne stopped the questioning. Enough, that's six, Bone Carver. Ask away, girl. If there was a bit of bone from someone, is it possible to resurrect this person to get their soul back and grow them a new body? Was the soul also contained? Yes. No, no way. Unless... The cauldron is back. It's legend. Long before the High Fae even existed, there was a cauldron that all the magic in the world was contained to. You could create immortal beings. It said all Fae were created by the cauldron, at least the beginning ones. Those who had the cauldron would create such wicked things with it, all the creatures, but the cauldron could never be destroyed. It made all things, so destroying it would end all things. Only the cauldron could do what you're suggesting. Where's the cauldron? Lord of night, tell me a secret that no one else knows, and I'll tell you my secret. Fine. My right knee still feels pain when it rains. It was wrecked during the war. (laughs) Hmm. You were always my favorite. Very well, then. A deal is a deal. The cauldron was hidden at the bottom of a frozen lake, but it is no longer there. I don't know where it is right now. The three feet it once stood on were cleaved the base like the little feet it stands on cleaved from the base to weaken the powers of the cauldron the cauldron will still work but without the three legs attached it will never harness the full powers until you have the full thing the three legs were hidden at three different temples if they went missing that means someone has the cauldron and is trying to use it at its full power and who has the cauldron if you promise to give me her bones when she dies i'll think about it Farah looks at Resend. But even you wouldn't promise that, Resend. Thank you for your help. They turn to walk off, but Farah gives him another tidbit to try and get the answer, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, a little tidbit about what it was like on the other side of death. Nothing that important, but it's, it's emotional. And uh, the bone carver says, Fine, 
The king of Hybern has it. With the cauldron, you could bring back the dead, but you could also shatter the dead. When the cauldron was made, the Book of Breathings had spells to negate the cauldron's power, to control it fully. But after the war, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, it was split into two. One went to the Fays, and the other went to the six human queens. It was part of the treaty. Symbolic, mainly. Nobody even knew the cauldron really existed. It was just an urban legend. It was just a myth. The book can summon spells and stop the cauldron. The High Lord of Summer possesses half, while the mortal queens have the other half. But you cannot steal it. The mortal queens must voluntarily give you their half of the book. If you steal it, it'll destroy itself. And the High Lord of Summer has the book tied to blood spells, meaning if anyone other than him were to get it, the book would melt and be lost for good. Tricky, tricky, such clever little traps. Resand and Feyre walk off and both have a moment of silence to catch their breaths. And finally, Feyre spoke. What did you see? Who is the bone carver? You go first. A boy, around eight, dark hair, blue eyes. What did you see? And for the first time, it felt like fear. Rusan shuddered and said, Jurian, I saw Jurian. Who the hell is Jurian? The guy the King of Hybern is trying to resurrect. Oh. And that is the end of this part of book two wow. because it's like two hours okay and we need to do a part two and i will see you guys on monday for the part two so just wait a week pick up the book i'm gonna link it in the description you guys know how much i love Akatar. i love my sarah j mass check out her other books all linked to the description and i'll see you guys tomorrow bye <laughs>